the special was kind of rough. Uh, the ending gets better when you're talking about death and, you know, with Len Shelton dying. Um, I like all that stuff. Do you hump a stool? You know, I, I just the, the fascism. I just, I'm tired the, of him talking the, about fascism. The online critiques of like whenever people are talking about how much Marin hates Rogan, they're always like, you know, he hates the stool humpers. <laughs> they always, <laughs> but they always frame it where like, you know, Rogan always talks about how Marin was the one that really gave him props and helped his career in like a meaningful way. Yeah. And then they're like, and then he got into podcasting, which Marin had already been doing and is like the number one show. So they just paint it as like Marin fucking hates him. So I, 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 no one knows what I'm about to say, but I subscribe to Marin's Patreon. He has one. No, it's not his Patreon. He has his own thing. Honestly, I don't know what I'm paying $5 to every month. <laughs> I know that I can get it shuffled into my pod uh, catcher. So everything is Holy easy. Holy shit. Um, and he, he'll go in a little deeper on some of that stuff with like Rogan. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Shut the fuck up. He just sounds like it's a, it's about what he represents, man. Ugh. Like shut up. He just sounds jealous. And you know, it's funny because on he even told him in a in a podcast like, you know, I'm I'm pretty aggressive when it comes to like, you know, you athlete types trying to get into comedy. Yeah. And it's like, oh dude, it's like a little man thing. Well, he's Come always on. considered himself the alpha of the betas. That's so <laughs> whack. <laughs> who gives a fuck? Like who man he had because Marin's like a big dude. Marin's like six two. Is he? Yeah, he's got little man energy. He's a big guy. Yeah, because he's a Jew who grew up in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you expect? That's gonna fuck you up Damn. some ways, dude. I swear to God, I thought he was five two. No, dude, he is six foot two. He's a I, I've seen him. He's a big guy. Do you hug him? No, <laughs> I don't think that's see a uh, sort of trust, Clark. I love Sword of Trust. Had the poster in my bedroom. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> it's fun. Shutting, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Shutting. Yeah. yeah. It's I, so weird. I think that was our last movie. Two things you're not normally into. Swords and Trust. <laughs> <laughs> no, Swords, I you know what? No, I loved Forged in Fire. I'm pro sword. I just don't, you know, fucking guns are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in movies. All That's right. what I just sword and sandal. That's if you want to put me in REM cycle sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, sword and sandal, I hate too. Give me sword and sandal. You're talking about yeah. like historical shit. Yeah, shit sucks. Where it's like, oh the swords are cool. What is what's that like Aladdin sword that's like a scimitar. Sitar. Oh yeah. A sitar's an instrument. No, no, potato potato. Those are cool. Sitars? No. A sitar is the That's what George Harrison played. Yeah. Painted black. <laughs> <laughs> no, scimitars are cool. They're they're really weighted at the tip, one edge blade. Yeah, they're cool. They're made to cut off people's heads and show them in America in math it's class. It's very. Uh, it feels very Arabic. Oh, it is. Yeah, but it, yeah. no, it looks like their alphabet. You know, it's curvy. Mm-hmm. I like. It. There's another like niche you never want to talk to people about is like the sword community those dorks are- <laughs> you would think you would think mark Marin would be a part of them they're aggressive and lame like oh the claymore was traditionally used way before and you're like dude shut the fuck up nobody's not a sword though is it the claymore yeah is it, it was used it was used to decapitate horse riders and Jesus. horses too Damn. which is why i don't know i'm weird. picturing like a mace with like a a ball like a cylindrical thing with like <laughs> pointies on it. You know what I'm saying? Like a longer one. 
Like a Cenobite dildo. What's it called when it's like joust size, but it's like a mace and it has oh. like a cylindrical air, like weighted thing at the end? At the end, you know, a lot of them have uh, the ball with the spike. That would be a maul. Maul? Mm. Yeah. Those are a maul. They're, um, you know. Darth Maul. Yeah. It's spelled the same way too, but not. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, shit. Yeah. If you look up maul, you get like hammers and shit. Actually. Yeah. Oh, cool. Not not the type of mall that Tiffany would play at when she was a teenager. <laughs> well, that was a weird, <laughs> weird reference. I, I figured I had to throw a mall joke, and the only thing that came to my mind was Tiffany. Weird. You strike me as a mall rats guy. <laughs> what? Just because Kevin Smith and I are similar in body types. Not anymore. And- Okay, Randy. <laughs> Damn. Let me tell you this right now. I weigh, I bet I weigh the same as Kevin Smith. Currently. You don't wear jorts. Wait, what? So you don't wear jorts. <laughs> yeah, I don't wear, yeah, that's also, and I'm not from fucking Pistane, New Jersey, <laughs> wherever he claims he's from. And I've never been kicked off an airplane, okay? And I've also never made a feature film. So, <laughs> a lot of differences between. Yeah, I don't know. Mall rats, I, I don't even think I've ever seen mall rats. Don't. Not a fan. <laughs> no. I, don't, I actually don't like any of his work. I like Jason Lee. Yeah, me too. He's cool. Did you ever see him in that show he did? I think it was called Memphis, <laughs> where he was a detective in Memphis. I watched My Name is Earl. I did not. <laughs> I there the I it was such to a degree where I didn't understand the people I didn't know how to communicate to the people who watched My Name Is Earl. I didn't so know didn't you watch them. all of them? I think so. <laughs> yeah, it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a different. Would time. you revisit? Also, I was a lot closer to like my weird uh, delusional skating roots at the time. So, like the fact that he had like one of the first people mm. documented doing like a tray flip tail slide or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Tray no, I, I mean it like he's like, it's dorky shit. I was just like, yeah, Jason Lee. Jason Lee's sick. Dude. He is cool. I, I don't know sick. why. Five stars. Jason also Lee. shocking. The me too thing has never come out about him and he strikes me as the type stealing. Harvard is a perfect movie. So how about that? Him, oh, okay, Tom that Green. It's <laughs> a good movie. It's a great movie. A fucking Richard Jenkins is in that movie. That's it. Richard Jenkins, the Academy Award. There's nothing the man can't do. Because, he, dude, he's in a ton of comedies. And he's fucking hilarious in Stealing Harvard as a uh, wealthy judge who spoons uh, with Tom Green talking about having sand dabs um, in uh, the Hamptons. It was very nice. And they're like picking their names, and Tom Green's like, uh, I want to be Kyle. <laughs> Kyle got like three girls pregnant at summer camp. <laughs> Look at all these stupid ass notes I take, Robbie, Kevin for this Smith dumbass show. Two hundred and five pounds. Jesus, I that's know. what he weighs currently. Is that multiple shows because I right, saw a heck a on there. Yeah, I, oh, the ones that I when I cross them out like that, that means like I'm done with it because I'm oh. trying to. Yeah, Kids versus Aliens was fun. I, it was. I you know um, Jake, the programmer over at the Alamo, put it best. He was like, it felt like a child directed it. And he's like, I don't mean that mean. I love Jason. He was like, it just, it had the feeling of like one of the Amblin kids, like making a movie, which I think he was trying to say was just very true to like 
what that movie is. I what did you did it strike you as being edited hyper quick? Not really. I I I I was so blown away by it, and then I got on Letterboxd, and then I second guessed myself. I was like, Dude, oh. I see a different movie. <laughs> Litterbox makes me like angry because I feel like uh I don't know. Actually, I kind of I should thrive there because it's so like it's all of the like critics coming together to be like, here's my holier than thou review of this film. But my yeah. my interaction with Letterbox is pretty healthy. Like, you know, I'm mostly <laughs> seeing like you guys. You know, I'm not out there, you know, seeing what the fucking types and the oh, scum God. are doing. Um you know, it's interesting, Robbie, because since like we do a film fest, you get in this murky territory of like, hey, we're programming this movie. I know it's not the perfect film, but, you know, there's more to showing a movie like getting people out there. Maybe it does something really interesting for the genre or maybe it just deserves to be seen in a theater and it will never happen again. So then you you end up in this moment where you're like, well, what do I rate it? Do I give it like yeah. an honest three? Because I feel like that's not helpful. And also like, you know, I'm kind of putting myself out there programming it. And I, I sat with that for a while and I said, you know what? Fuck it. I just gave everything fives that we've shown it off. And I'm like, what does it matter at the end of the day? It doesn't like, like seriously, like nothing was, matters. There's Chinese yeah. spy balloons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, I got to actually bring this back up later because one of the movies I'm talking about, not a single five star. And I just thought, mm-hmm. you know, uh, probability, like somebody has to love it, right? And it's pretty good. Russell, what do you think the uh, chances of us having, within the next calendar year, a Chinese spy balloon found footage movie? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're going to uh, be one of the first to know when it happens. I think very low. And very only low. because our attention span is very, like, short now. So unless somebody jumped on that immediately. No. Yeah. I'd be more interested if, like, uh, it was a small town story of a guy opening up a, a car dealership who had, like, a gorilla balloon to show his sale, and it got loose, and then the military flew a jet and destroyed it, which is the <laughs> what? Which is the official? <laughs> no, no. So when the balloon happened again, I, w- I won't get too much into this, but when that balloon happened, uh, it turned into uh, why did you let it fly over the whole country? And then it became clear that everybody was in unison saying, we did a dumb thing here. We should have shot that down. So immediately after, there were a lot of UFO reports because our government downed three <laughs> unidentified objects where people were like, what's happening? Are the Chinese, uh, is it balloon fight? Yeah. And recently, um, I think Friday, uh, the Pentagon came out and they're like, well, it turns out a couple of them were uh, balloons, like from one of them was from a club where they do like hydrogen. A yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> like uh, a car dealership. What one of them? There's a group of nerds who they do uh, radio. <laughs> they get balloons. They fly them at high altitudes and they track them with a radio device. It's almost like you know, whenever you watch a movie and they get together and launch one of those like little toy shuttles, mm-hmm. equivalent to that. And the government flew a jet and downed it with a five hundred. $500,000 missile. USA. Right. USA. <laughs> so I this think that would why. be interesting. If you had like a vlogger who was really excited. Well, now you're turning into like an Alex Gibney type of documentary where you're talking about the corruption of the U.S. military. No, it's not corruption. It's the, the war for PR. 
because it's like, when hey. I'm talking about corruption, I'm just talking about gross mismanagement. <laughs> well, okay. We have a president who just had a health exam and nobody talked about his mental state. Which because is he's falling off bicycles on YouTube. <laughs> well, no, it's just cognitive decline, right? So then if people think we're weak and we actually have like a, you know, the triad of enemies rising up again, and then we can't even down a balloon, they're like, we got to look strong. Go fucking shoot anything out there. And yeah. then they did. Hell yeah. and it's like, I don't know if it came off looking strong. But, but, that's, like, but that's what we do. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. That's what this country is built on. We haven't changed. That's why we worship the nuke. Of course we do. Mm-hmm. Duke Nukem. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you, you are correct. Yeah, how am I not correct? Well, you know, because I, I, I always think about Godzilla whenever I talk about worshiping the nuke. Because Japan took it a different way. Of course, you go creature, I go human. Well, no, dude, that's what um uh, Guillermo del Toro's film was about. Uh, oh, Pacific oh, Rim. I I'll, I'll be right back. Where are you going? You reminded me of something. Okay, no, um, yeah, Pacific Rim. Because I read a fantastic article about how somebody said uh, Pacific Rim is the most offensive movie uh, created in like the early aughts or whatever, because um. Godzilla is a narrative about World War II where we dropped a bomb and then we left them with a huge problem. And the way that they did it was Godzilla, where if you remember, there was a fishing boat off the coast and it gets destroyed by Godzilla. It's literally like the nuke thing. And um, Pacific Rim is the reverse, where the solution to the kaiju problem is our nuclear powered mech. So it's like literally like the nuke is what stops Godzilla Mm. because we're America. Robert, did you just do you have like an NWO Wolfpack shirt on? What the, what did I just miss? <laughs> it's a it's a death metal shirt. Okay. Fuck yeah. Sanguasugabug. Sanguasugabug. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to get up because you mentioned Guillermo del Toro. And it made me think about because I was uh Robbie and I were talking before uh, we started recording. By the way, we're supposed to do a uh, proper intro and not one of the Rollins, but that's fine. Okay. But it just started rolling because I usually do early, anyways. And uh, I don't know. Is this the episode? Yeah, we're doing. Yeah, it's why not? Because this we could we could do one. We're great. Yeah, Yeah. we'll do it. Was fine. But we were talking about uh, me buying Tim Blake Nelson's new novel, and on the back, of course, like any novel, it's got uh, the little blurbs. All the blurbs uh, are movie stars. Okay, (laughs) because Tim Blake Nelson is a movie star. And Guillermo del Toro has a blurb on the back of this book. Now, the rest of the blurbs, you know, John Totoro, Edward Norton, you know, they're, you know, they're very nice, but they mention something about Tim Blake Nelson or something about. Well, Tim Blake is the only one I don't know. You know who Tim Blake <laughs> Do Nelson I? is. I don't know. Who is he? Give him a googs. Okay. You know who he is. He's been. Also, I only bing now. Million things. He steals the show at the end of Nightmare Alley. Where uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, he he turns Bradley Cooper into the geek. Oh, TBN. I know him. <laughs> TBN. He's a Taurus like me. The beginning Here's of uh, Buster Scruggs. Sorry. Oh, yes. Uh, he is the titular Buster Scruggs. Uh, yeah. Which you will never <laughs> say. This is, Gar- oh, this, is, this is one of my favorite sentences of all time. Actually, this is two sentences. Here we go. Horror story. Actually, I've just been updated. Uh, the following is three sentences. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, in reference to City of Blows, a novel by Tim Blake Nelson. A travelogue of purgatory. Fuck yeah. Brutal, 
but minutely rendered, a chronicle of small betrayals and vicissitudes in a ruthless world. Losers, hustlers, and delusional artists, all trapped in their pretense and hollowed lives, making deals with the devil at the crossroads of Tinseltown. That made me want to read the book. So, thank <laughs> you, Guillermo. Does that mean you're going to get it on Audible? Correct. I, should, I, I got something on Audible uh, today because I had a monthly thing. And then I forgot that I had a monthly thing. And then eight months later, I saw that I had eight free downloads for books, which they're not true. I'm going to pay $15 a month for eight months. I'm not good with money. So, long story <laughs> short, I've got a lot of audio books. I do a little bit of listening. I It's not... Fiction's hard to do on audiobooks. I can do shorter novels, but long ones, it's tough, man. It's tough to stay in that pocket for that long. Short novels work. Uh, I found like a nice medium of doing like horror novellas. Those are great. Love those. Can do those. Can stay in the pocket. It's good. Otherwise, it needs to be something like autobiographical or historical. Something with a little bit more breathing room than me getting in, you know, a, a, in a novel. I don't know. It's a, it's. I need to have a more intimate relationship. You're gonna get that, uh, Matthew McConaughey. No. Uh. <laughs> I I like his acting. I can't stand him as a personality. He reads it himself. God. Oh, just... that's rad. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I really think. That's... I think we're over McConaughey sized. <laughs> That's what I think. I just think the whole world of like Audible should be treated as a completely different thing. Like there's a lot of opportunity to explore that medium against like what a book is. For sure, because yeah. it adds it adds it takes very important elements out of book rating and imposes <laughs> uh foreign elements in the book rating. Yeah. Because like when you're reading a book, there's a relationship that's happening with you and your mind and the words that your eyes see and how you are imposing that world. But then when you add another person into that, reading it in their cadence, it robs you of that uh, experience. Yeah, they should all be done by robot voice. I am on board. <laughs> also, I just read a book. If you're following me on Goodreads out there, remember that app? Um, oh, boy. I finished Killerpeed which was recommended to me by uh, the pile of books Oksana will never read as uh, it looked very thin. It looked very fiction driven and dude, it reads just like a B movie. I highly recommend it. So if you actually want to sit down and read a book, yeah. very doable. It's got goosebumps chapters. So like you turn a page and you're on another chapter. I found this guy who writes a uh, brutal <laughs> horror stuff. And but the one of the guy who does the, where did you find it? The voice that what that's different. Don't worry. Four chan. <laughs> Randy got me into him on that four chan. Oh, dude, it's got to be dark. It's Silk Road Tony is his name. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the guy who does the voice for that novel sounds like the guy <laughs> who does the VO for Bar Rescue. Oh, rad! Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, that 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 sounds distracting. All right, I'm gonna try to pull it up. Vamp, oh, and I'll God. see if I can find it. Robbie, do you do a lot of reading? I think his mic's not working at the set. Uh, I muted it because the weekend work train's going by right now. Oh, <laughs> fuck <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about the dead on this show. <laughs> I live uh, 200 feet from uh, train tracks, if you can hear those. Oh, yeah. Dude, I love it. 
Dude, it picks up beautifully, too. Great ambiance. Damn, Damn, that's awesome. Um, Oh, I deleted it. Although, um, trains right now in the news are not the most fun thing to read about. Oh, dude. As long as you don't have birds falling from the sky and worms floating up in every puddle of water. God damn, you can see it from your window? It's right there. Dude, normally whenever you have a like um, very style-driven artist who lives near a train, it's on the third floor of like a weekly motel and you know there's yeah. neon lights. You're in some beautiful countryside. And there's a train right there. <laughs> Did my mic, uh, does this still yeah, work? You're yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. You're you're good. Can he not hear us? I can, can but it's coming through my TV. <laughs> <laughs> See, the train fucked it all up. It's coming through your TV. Yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Check this out. <laughs> oh, rad. I will make it to uh, myself, dude. That's tight. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really. Uh... Okay, first of all, Russell, that countryside, it's clearly yeah, it's not like. The countryside. It's not <laughs> the countryside at all. But it looked like, you know, well, compared to like the Bay Area, that looks like. No, it's, look, it's a, it's a suburb of anywhere USA. Yeah, it looked like it he was like 100 like acres. It looks like Haddonfield. <laughs> no, it didn't. There's no train tracks running through Haddonfield. Oh, on the other side, friend. They would have on marched the him side. out on the train. <laughs> Fuck a car parade. Michael Myers never went on the other side of the tracks, friend. <laughs> he knew not what lie for him. All right, Robbie, what's happening? Are you? Is everything okay? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right. Uh, is it TBR time? No. I thought you wanted to do a regular intro. No, well, no. We're, we're already into it. Okay. <laughs> we'll do well, it. Um. All right. You don't even want to mention who we're talking to. They if they see it in the metadata. Robbie Smith is here. Nobody reads the metadata. You know, you put too much. I do. Do every you? time. Oh, By the way, I yeah, I see. He puts a lot of work in there. I put. <laughs> I changed it up this week. You got I mean, meta. I got meta. Uh, see, Robbie is a fan <laughs> of the God. show, which is why. I'm the star of his new film. <laughs> we will talk about it at the end of the episode. So that's a teaser. Robbie, that is what we're going to talk mostly about is my performance in your film, uh, yeah. which I think carries and sets sets the whole tone, which Russell himself agreed to as well. No, big time. <laughs> Actually, it's one, one critique. I'm like, who the fuck is this jackass on the radio? You, <laughs> you helped me prepare. <laughs> it was fun. You helped. You recorded it. I don't, don't put me out like that. Oh, I don't need the hate mail. That's right. All right. Well, I get fuck. We're just going to get into it. Okay. Well, David Lynch is still AWOL. He, he's on the train that just drove by. <laughs> it's uh, February 19th. It's a Sunday, which I'm really into these Sunday recordings again. And I'm glad we're getting guests back on. Too. Most of the time. I, yeah. I like it. I like a Sunday. Although this is a very busy Sunday. Okay. I just want to say spring is coming. So we got a lot of sports. Oh, and also, we, it was the Daytona 500 today. So I missed the Two Bears, One Cave live from the Daytona 500 special <laughs> event. I just want to know the sacrifices that I'm laying down <laughs> for you in the show. Um, now, for Robbie, Randy, and Oksana, he showed me his phone downstairs in the kitchen. 
not only does he have 20 pages completely full of apps, which I don't know what the fuck you filled those with, <laughs> but he has over a hundred notifications from what was it? A baseball game. Yeah. Oh my God. dude! This is the life I live, brother. <laughs> Two lives. I'm a true Renaissance man. Do you understand? Not, no, I don't. Do you understand? This is what happens when I have shut myself off from finding love in real life. I just have this time. <laughs> To just devote to all of my interest. <laughs> all right. And that's that's synchronicity right there. That's you and me working on the same way. That was me playing you off the stage. Thank all right. So are, are you ready? I'm gonna I gotta like I showed Robbie a minute ago. I have so many goddamn notes that uh this is gonna be a fun one to stumble through. But uh you ready? Yes, sir. You got the email open? Got him. All right. The TBR report. What did I pull behind the hat? Fucking hate that. <laughs> Welcome to the TBR report. <laughs> <laughs> this is a segment where we take a closer look at the vast world of in-world camera cinema. Each week, found footage filmmaker turned found footage adventurer Thomas Burke checks in from around the globe to share his newly found footage. Newly found found footage. And as the leading in-world camera philosopher and proud member of the award-winning Barbados Boys, I ingest the film and spit out my wisdom. Clark, what did uh, Tom write us today? Russell, I know you like Screen Live surveillance videos, so this week I'm recommending a Chinese mystery from 2017 called Dragonfly Eyes, or... And Thomas inserted the Chinese script, um, which I don't even begin to know how to describe to you all. Give it a shot. Ni hao ma. Oh, my God. A young woman's life takes a series of unexpected turns after she leaves the Buddhist temple where she had lived most of her adult life. If you liked any one of my earlier recommendations on the show regarding Bong Joon-ho's CCTV short Influenza, then surely Dragonfly Eyes would be the next one to check out. It is rather complex, I'll say, but I know the Barbados boys would be up to the task in helping me decipher this wild ride. So please let me know what you think. All the best, Thomas Burke, TBR, LLC, INC. Not an actual LLC. Dude, good job reading that email. Thank you. <laughs> now, you know, he, he oh God, I, I think I'm like you. And whenever I get a link to like a weird Chinese found footage film from him, yeah, I'm always scared to like click on these because I'm like, dude, where where are you taking me? Uh, this time he actually sent a download link. Do you think he's sending you a link riddled with malware? No, but I know he goes through just a, a, a friendly prank <laughs> between a couple months. <laughs> dude, he he really like he digs around online to find these. And the fuck did fucking Vin Diesel just show up to your house, dude? No, it was Triple X. <laughs> <laughs> So, dude, dragonfly eyes. You know, Robbie, I'm glad you're here because I don't know how you feel about uh, surveillance camera found footage, but man, this might be the best. Now, oh. and I'm a I'm a huge fan of Hangman. I highly recommend people go watch that. That is a found footage horror. Narrative. You still have not seen the Adam Rifkin film I talked about. That's all true. Time. All right, uh, well, do a better job and push me into it. What's that one? Look, look. Yeah. So. Here we go. We're we're in two thousand. It's, it's horny, baby. Said Austin Powers. Well, it's also uh, it's a fictional narrative, right? We're sure. not doing okay. This one, but Rifkin gets it. Rifkin, he really does. Um, 
Now, what do you know? Zhu Bing? I'm sorry? <laughs> You've never heard of Zhu Bing? No. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Is it a zoo in Bing, Indiana? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, although he did leave the uh, Chinese government. Actually, you know, I had it pulled up earlier. Maybe I could find his Wikipedia page. Oh, Xi Jinping. He's the, uh, the guy behind Dragonfly Eyes. And he's kind of a, um, what I would imagine would be a very dangerous type of artist to be when you live in China. And his whole thing is kind of reinterpreting visual art. Like he wrote a book, you know, I write all these notes and then I don't prepare them properly. I believe it is called, I'll find it. Alexander, can you pull that up? So he wrote a book that was supposed to be like a traditional tome from like ancient China, but all of the characters in it are false. Like, so it's a book that you can't read. It's not actually written in a real language. And the whole idea is to kind of, think about why somebody would do this and what books are for. And ultimately it was kind of a meta commentary on the propaganda that was coming out of the, the Mao dynasty. And um, you know, when you do this kind of stuff, you move to America. So he came out here and was here for a while. I think he's back in China now, which I was kind of shocked to hear, but uh, the movie dragonfly eyes is a all everything here is surveillance camera and it's a narrative about a girl who is just kind of living life in in modern China. And she leaves, uh, I believe she was at a Buddhist temple, and she leaves to go become a dairy farmer in a plantation hey, oh yeah. where she meets a dude who claims that he's clairvoyant. Of course. This is the kind of whimsy that, you know, I figured you might actually be into. Is he a dairy farmer, too? Yeah. He, she meets a clairvoyant him. dairy farmer. Yes. Oh. And, and he starts talking about his connection with like uh, the, the magnetic poles. And like he had this theory that there are parts of China that have um, true magnetic uh, volume and that almost like ghosts get caught there. Like time is suspended. So whenever there's a storm, if you go to one of these locations, you can actually see other moments in different realities that are kind of trapped there. I know it's really mm-hmm. interesting. That's cool. The, the story is so interesting that it took me about uh, maybe the end of the first act to realize that all of the footage is kind of compiled like the road movie. Now, uh, at the first off, we showed a movie called The Road Movie. I believe we talked to Dimitri on the show and the, the Russian government actually joined in. I mentioned the Kremlin one time. <laughs> they cut that. Out. The road movie was completely cut up of Russian um, dash cams. And it was created into an emotional narrative. Now, talking to him, it was interesting because he was like, you know, I put music behind it to kind of give it a through story. But I mean, really, it it, it is more of like an art house film or like a spectacle film where this there's straight up dialogue. There's a prompt in the beginning. Actually, the director's quoted in the beginning, mm-hmm. which really gave it a nonfiction feel to it. Yeah. So when we roll into it, the first thing you see, it's a night camera security. There's a girl walking away from us on her phone. And it's really low quality, so you don't notice the hole, and she doesn't either when she falls in it. And you're just kind of like, what the fuck am I watching? And then we're on a uh, Buddhist temple. And there's a story driving all of this unrelated footage together. But because of the nature of security cameras, it's always like wide shots. We're so far away from the people talking that, you, you know, when I noticed it, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. But is that kind of like a cheap tactic? And uh, no, the movie actually gets into it really deals with women's value in modern China 
and how looks kind of dictate your whole life. There's a lot of commentary on like uh, they call them plain faced women who are, you know, they would be a 10 out here in America, but out there for some reason, rich guys don't want them. So you're kind of doomed to be poverty in like live in poverty. And they talk a lot about uh, marrying rich men and then getting plastic surgery. So there's this narrative in the film about this, this clairvoyant who thinks that they've met in a previous life. And she's like, he's telling her all this shit. And she's just like, what do you like? I'm kind of a boring looking girl. You shouldn't be telling me things like, you know, uh, it feels like I've known you forever. She's like, this is for pretty people. And he's like, no, I mean it. So her journey takes her down like a dark path where she starts to become envious of like pretty women who have gotten plastic surgery and he's kind of left behind. And it becomes this cat and chat, this cat and mouse thing <laughs> where like at one point the mafia is involved and they're, they're trying to like punk her out because she talks shit to this rich bitch. And she's like, you were nothing like me. You just married rich. And now you got plastic surgery. And she's like, you can't talk to me that way. Do you know who you're fucking with? And they send dudes after her. But again, this is just compiled footage. So you get like this image of a car pulling over another car on the freeway, turning around and starting ramming them head on. But, you know, it's just baked in very fluidly to this narrative. This film, I'm shocked. I hadn't heard about it before. This is why we fuck with you, Thomas. Uh, I love it. I'm super into the the Zoo Bing guy. It's XU. How do you pronounce that? Shoe? Where's yeah, that Zoo? That works. Okay. Yeah. He, dude, he's, um, he's a visionary. Uh, MoMA did a great write up. They showed it out here, I think a year after it came out. And again, Mo MoMA is the museum of modern art out here who no longer has a film program. So good job, MoMA. But, um, I highly recommend this. The problem with security camera footage narratives is that they can tend to be kind of boring because the camera, I don't know if you pay attention in your Marvel movies, but there's a lot of heavy lifting going on with uh, background music and camera movement. And you just don't get any of that here. Yeah. But man, the story is out there and the shit, like imagine making a movie where you could compile anything you could find online. That's just in China. It seems to be the so only, they're, they're not actors. It's, it's recontextualized CCTV yeah. footage. Oh, and cool. uh, but a lot of it. So, you know, early so how the whole thing work, like it's literally it's an it's a woman falling into a hole. Oh, in the and very you found that, you like, know, it feels non sequitur. Oh, it's like the ring. But the before story, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more like what I fear is going to happen to Terrell, where she's just on a phone and then takes one step off a cliff. Now, I, I should <laughs> I should mention this. I've been again, uh, Blu-ray Tuesday with Terrell. It airs every Thursday. Don't ask about it. I've been doing a lot of thumbnail art for that show. And one of the things I learned from uh, Luxury Dark, if you're into found footage, shit, Luxury Dark, they do these black and white thumbnails with red circles on everything and it kills in that algorithm follow our other funny channel luxury light <laughs> that's not a joke um and in this it's black and white footage and there's a robot vo much like we were talking about with audible how it should all be robots and there's a like it's almost like call of duty active like rectical going all over like trying to find the subject and when she falls in the water it gets manic and it's following the splashing and um, you're sitting there and you're like, what am, what am I watching here? And then the, the, the rectangle kind of slows down and it just goes away. And she, ne she never comes up. I know. I, I'm, I regretted saying rectangle from the, from the minute. But 
Right so to go. The thing, two things. One, I thought this is great because I don't know where we are in fiction or nonfiction. And also, this would be the moment that Clark would have to make a serious judgment call on if he was going to hang with the film. Because I know if you're in the room, you're like, she fucking died. I can't watch this. And honestly, it felt like she probably did drown. And later on, they even have some people. I think there has to be a couple of actors. There's a couple of security guards um, doing like CCTV footage. And they're looking at a bridge. And there's somebody falls off of it. And instantly it's like, oh, there was a suicide. But they they cut to another camera on the bridge. And there's somebody, it looks like somebody might walk by and push somebody off. And they're like, well, I let's call it a suicide. Yakuza. Well, I think the idea was, what are we going to do? We could say that they were murdered and then open an investigation. And this is what happens when you start, <laughs> when you start playing with fire like this. This is, this is what you, okay. If you're a plumber, you're going to get shit on your shoe. Yeah. This is, this is shit on your shoe that you don't need. Well, don't, don't, yeah. here comes the critique of like a centralized government or like communist government is that the shit always rolls downhill. So if you're the dude that reports to somebody and you're like, hey, uh, we think that was a murder, they'll be like, shut the fuck up. Of course. Like, don't give me more work. And I've seen The Wire. Work. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the other thing. That's the fiction that's been put on real footage. So at the same time, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wait, so somebody really pushed another person off there? And it's kind of a good way to bring up real issues while kind of, you know, hiding it behind fiction. There's a lot of this, by the way. There's a uh, group of people working on a roof that just implodes, and it's like, oh, they're dead. I don't need this in my life. Ex- and I knew you would. <laughs> I would rather. I would rather. It, it, so what you're telling me is that there are no actual dragonflies in the entire production. There are dragonflies. Oh, but, but they make a comment because oh. uh, our lead actress, her name actually means dragonfly, but they say that dragonflies are all around the Buddhist temple but they don't show up on camera because they move too quick. Yeah. So it's actually kind of like a reference to existing, I think spiritually in the world, not on dude. Or that smart exposition to talk about your lack of budget. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think this was budgetary either. I think this dude, he started working at a um, university out here in the States when he moved. So I think he's got fucking, he's got real money. And I also think that the not crypto, not crypto. Mm. I also think that the Chinese government has kind of always like kept an eye on him. And now that he's back there. Let me tell you something. With those balloons, they're keeping an eye <laughs> on everything. <laughs> That's actually why they sent him over. They're trying to find him. I think he was working at a university in Wisconsin. So, yeah, he was. Sheshe, Wisconsin. Sheshe. You fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, so I highly recommend this. And at the end of the film, there's a quote. All right, it feels like a quote. One of the characters says it. Because this takes a weird turn. You're not going to see where this movie goes. And uh, it really leaves like an emotional impact. But there's a the last spoken words in this movie are about reality and like living a lie. Dude, so good. There, It's the kind of quote that you just have to write down. And I fucking hate quotes, but I wrote it down. But it's, It sounds like you're going to get it tattooed on your person later. Hey, that's not a bad idea. All right. And made, <laughs> made up like kanji or something. Oh, can, yeah. Can you get it on your knuckles? Oh, it's too long. Okay. Um, anyway, the that dragonfly eyes. Thomas, dude, I love it when you send me this shit, man. And I, you know, I had a conversation with him early. I'm like, it doesn't have to be horror. Like, challenge me, make it boring. And then he sent a fucking boring movie. Do you remember what it was called? 
uh, it was like two and a half hours long. Eighteen something, Charlie. Oh my god, I can't believe you remember that. I, that's not the right title. It's a, it's like a number that's a year. Holy shit, that movie was boring. And a name. I thought it was called Dragonfly because of the text to speech program. Oh, hey. What about Dragonfly Z? That's actually a really interesting. Especially since it opened with like a, a, an AI or some shit re- reading the captions. Yeah, that's. Man, that movie's fucking good. What movie? <laughs> <laughs> All right. How long is it? Um, an ninety minutes, which oh, you know, okay. oh, the exact time that you spent talking about this movie. <laughs> you know, honestly, it deserves a lot more. Like 80. it, if I had a what? Eighty minutes. What? It's only eighty. Don't jit me, fucking. You are so bad at math. It's not even fun. <laughs> well, look, I live in the world of artistic interpretation, and when I see anywhere, you know, seventy-eight minutes to like ninety-eight minutes, I'm like, that's a feature length. It's got film. a delta of thirty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> we'll just round it out. You know what I mean? I'm the type. If it's four fifty-seven, it's five o'clock. Okay, somewhere, brother. Thank somewhere. You. All right, you ready? That's why I roll two joints. You know. So how many stars? Uh, God, you know, I hadn't actually thought about. That. I'm gonna give it five. I fucking I oh, loved it. hit the alert. And again, <laughs> just a five star alert. Yeah. Uh, you know, the MoMA, dude, they used to program fantastic films out here, and now R.I.P. We used to have a fantastic fest. You were an idiot. <laughs> I can't believe I deal with you for over 400 episodes on this dumb show. I can. Show. You love it. I Robbie do. loves it. Randy loves it. Oksana, Randy, we don't know yet. Randy gets a little rage. He gets a little Travis Bickle sometimes when you're playing with him. You just want him to be Travis Bickle. Dude, he is. He's got a gun up his sleeve right now. No, Randy Randy couldn't pull off that hair. <laughs> I shaved my head again recently. I think he could totally pull it off. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, he definitely could. Maybe. Is that a compliment or... Yeah, also, yeah. here's the thing. Um, <laughs> we have a wall of pop figures over there, and I was looking at them in, with a lot of hate in my heart today, and I realized <laughs> that one of them is Travis Bickle. And I'm just like, <laughs> what, what a weird world we live in. And I was like, also, I got to keep that. How fucking weird is that? How did you end up with a Travis Bickle? I probably bought it. It's strange. <laughs> like, it's a pop figure. But I know. Yeah, it's like incel art. Where's your, where's your Terror for Two pop figure? Uh, downstairs. I'll try. It's, a, it's, a, it's got a special place. Yeah, I got to show that one off. All right. Speaking of showing off, we're going to show off our film historian of the show, Randy Michael Stantz, going to kick off. Yikes. <laughs> a round table now randy uh first of all uh, congratulations on your new shaved head i see you got your beautiful <laughs> beanie on there because uh what's what's the current atlanta weather in uh, mid-february uh you know it's a little bipolar uh it's 64 oh. right now Six, but, uh, 64 yeah. that's a nice day not bad i went on a good uh five mile walk this morning as well Oh, Mamma Mia. Did you meet, uh, what'd you see on this hike? Uh, some trails and some trees, and I got a pastry and a cup of coffee. They gave me the uh, smaller cup of coffee when I ordered the bigger one, but the barista sounded like she was not having a good day, so I just said, I'll take this and uh, have a good one. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. You ordered the big one. She gave you the small one. Correct. I ordered 16. Oh, I got Brandon, you got to tell that bitch to get her life together. No, it's all good. Let's see, no, I avoid confrontation. Like I, 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 I'm going to turn you into a killer. Don't you worry should have grabbed her by her collar 
been like, I don't care what kind of shit day you are having, yeah. but I'm a bald white guy in 2023. <laughs> I need more coffee. Now, right, I'm more I'm period. more interested in this uh, <laughs> pastry situation. Yes, sir. What What did you have? Uh, I had a uh, like a morning croissant bun type of thing. It was a it's a savory uh, situation. Oh, mm. eggs, ham. No, it's lots of like herbs and spices, and it's like a big like it looks like a you know like a, a cinnamon roll almost, okay. but not not sweet. It's good. So what kind of what kind of herbs you get? Uh, rosemary, maybe a little little thyme, probably something like that. Yeah, I'm bad at identifying it, but it tastes good. Well, that's because you need to eat more and just be smarter in your everyday existence, Randy. I, I eat a good amount. I might not look like it, but I can I can throw down some I'm food. Not about, yeah, but I'm not talking about being a human garbage disposal like Russell John the Fisherman. I'm talking about having some discernible um, efforts in your palate and being able to understand the different herbs and spices. Hold on. Sure. I thought it was going to yeah. weigh in there. What? <laughs> Don't make offense. Retracted. No, please. This coming from someone who has eight shelves of snack foods. (laughs) Yes. And? Refined palates. I think he was talking about my lowbrow approach to food. Not. I mean. Yeah. Again, again, you only helped my argument. So please continue. All right. Anything else? (laughs) No, I think that's good for food. So it's kind of like a garlic bread or like just like a. I think it's kind of garlicky. Yeah, it's it's uh, like a flaky type of situation. Uh, you know. Yeah. Oh, sounds delicious. It's good. I'll have to uh, <laughs> see if the website has a description of what I'm eating. <laughs> Are you just taking a better inventory of what you're bringing into your holy temple known as your body? This is true. All right, Randy, what you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched... Uh, well, I watched something that Robbie and I will talk about later, but uh, the first Ooh. movie... Uh, I'm going to talk about, I just finished this morning, called uh, Baby Ruby, directed Hi. by Bess Wall, uh, starring Naomi Marlant, who was in Tar and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and she's the uh, character in Jumbo that falls in love with an amusement park ride. OMG. Y'all like that? I didn't like that, because I thought that was Pavice. <laughs> I like that. I dug it too, but uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about it until uh, I, I saw her again in, in Tar recently. Um, but yeah, this movie is uh, it's basically like a uh, parental horror movie, like just the horrors of being a, uh, a parent, specifically from the you know female perspective. I believe this is the director's first film uh, who's a female as well. Um, and yeah, it's a it's not as like it's not as horror-y as something like the Babadook. Um, but it definitely has like, you know, sort of same sort of anxieties and same sort of elements as that. Or like, uh, you know, whenever you hear a crying baby, you're just going to think of your racer head. So definitely thought of a racer head a lot. And, uh, basically, uh, she plays, uh, this character named Josephine and she, yeah, her and her husband have a baby and she just essentially starts losing it sort of. She's like, did I get a, uh, did I get a lemon? Did I get a bad kid? Because this kid won't <laughs> stop crying. And uh, I don't know what to do. And then she kind of has like some postpartum stuff and sort of like breaks down mentally. And there's some um, there's some good like creepy imagery and some like pretty good like uh, disorienting sort of uh, like cuts, like editing, like a whole month passes in like one cut. And like you, uh, it's, it really sort of puts you in her in her like perspective in her head of like 
I got this thing and I came home and a month passed and it's just like, you probably just like lose track of time. I don't know. I, you know, I haven't had a baby and I probably never will have a child because I'm a, uh, I'm a bachelor for life, baby. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, it's not as good as, uh, certain movies that, you know, are dealing with, uh, similar sort of tropes, uh, and stuff, but overall I really dug it. Uh, Naomi Merlant is uh, very good, very watchable. And, um, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd recommend it. It's on VOD. I think it came out last week. It came out February 3rd. It's like a six-buck rental, and I think you could buy it for like 10 It's a nice yeah. thing. Man. The baby crying thing just has me not wanting to watch that at all. Yeah, there's some there's some kind of rough stuff in it um, for sure. But yeah, it just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Babies crying in general. Just I don't, I don't know how people deal with it. Um, Oksana, did Terrell cover this on Blu-ray Tuesday? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's so good. The entire movie. Dude. I don't know, know how it ends, though, to be fair. I highly recommend you to pause right now <laughs> and go listen to Terrell's rundown of that movie. Such complete, <laughs> like, completely. You know, it's funny because I remember him talking about him like, holy shit. Randy went on Tubi and watched a weird horror movie. And then I look at him like, oh, no, this is a magnet, like art movie like yeah. whoa dude and as you know as far as um wondering about like the luck of the draw with your child i will say me and oksana have had that conversation many a time because our our baby is so fucking chill <laughs> incredibly chill he barely ever cries and he just sits there with his wide eyes and looks around the room and and we're just like this like i don't know because it's fun right now, but I'm like, I feel like maybe we just got lucky. Yeah, that's the fun thing about perspective, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the other person living in this house has a slightly different point of view. Oh, go ahead. Please share. He fucking cries. What do you, it's a baby. He cries. He cries. Yeah. It's, it's normal baby crying. Yeah, it's just not a lot. He cries. He cries enough. <laughs> he can get loud. He gets, he, he cries so intensely sometimes. Very not for very long, but um, yeah. that he like chokes and starts coughing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if he were the yeah, again center chill of, baby. Yeah, I think <laughs> if he were the comparatively, center, he totally is. Well, I've yeah. grown up with uh, little sisters who were not chill babies. And I grew up a with very, a demon. Yeah, very <laughs> different. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. That's it, dude. <laughs> My movie is also talking about babies, so it's uh, we got a whole theme going on here, but. Uh, all right, Randy, how many stars? Uh, I'm guessing three and a half. You nailed it. Come on, guys. I think Terrell gave the same. I haven't watched his uh, Blu-ray Tuesday where he talks about it yet, but I did see that he had watched this probably like the week it uh, came out. So Let's see, isn't that beautiful? You, you both come at it with completely different perspectives, but you all round up at the three and a half mark. <laughs> That's true. Randy, uh, do you have a, uh, sorry, Clark, uh, do you have an American flag waving outside? I do. I inherited it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I, uh, when I bought this house, the people that uh, owned it before me had an American flag outside, and they didn't take it with them. <laughs> and I felt weird taking it down and just like having it sit on the ground somewhere or doing whatever with it. And uh, yeah, just being—I I figured it was just easy to just leave it up. Should have just dude. fucking burned it, bro. I we're know. Taking the, we're taking the flag back for the libs, dude. <laughs> if they saw fucking Randy's dork ass out there raking leaves, pulling down the American flag, and they're like, "Where'd you move from, California?" That would have been 
the Perfect. end of Randy. <laughs> Yeah, get some security cameras. We want that home invasion uh, film. Randy, so, I, if you want to let me go in there, I, I, I can fold it like a proper fucking Boy Scout, and we'll take care of that flag, all right? We don't need sure. her dragging the ground, all right? Oh, glory. <laughs> it fought its fight, all right? We're going to put it away, put it away properly. Yeah, that's, that's what I need to do. So well, you'll have to come out sometime. We'll put a new, we'll put the Chinese flag out there. <laughs> Oh, I would love that so much. <laughs> All right, Randy, what else you got? Uh, yeah, besides that, I, I won't talk too much about this one because I assume that Clark will be watching it soon as well, but I watched The Integrity of Joseph Chambers, uh, which is the director uh, who did The Killing of Two Lovers from last year or the year before, um, and the same main actor, uh, Clayne Crawford. So essentially, Clayne Crawford... Uh, his character is like a family guy. He's like an insurance salesman. Uh, I think this is shot in like Alabama. So it takes place, you know, probably somewhere around there. I don't think they really uh, necessarily say, but um, yeah, he's kind of just a, you know, just a, a normal sort of a uh, normal dude, but he's living in uh, the rural sort of area. And he, um, you know, he's uh, wants to sort of become a little, little more manly. So he wants to go out and, uh, learn how to hunt. And I guess he's been doing like some trips with, uh, some family members or some friends and whatnot. And, um, he wakes up one morning and shaves his beard off until he just has a mustache and, uh, gets, you know, some hunting gear on and he decides he's going to go out into the woods, uh, by himself to go hunt a deer. And, um, his wife is not very confident, uh, in his skills. And, um, yeah, you could definitely tell that he's, uh, in a little over his head. Um, even before he gets out there and then, um, you know, when he gets out there, he kind of, uh, he, there's this, he, he goes onto like some property that, um, is private property that his friend owns. Um, he borrows a truck from him and he like goes out to this property and they have like this, uh, it's little like there's, uh, like a ladder up into a tree. Um, so you can kind of like get like a good, like view of the land and whatnot. And he like falls asleep in there and he's like, he's kind of goofy and he's kind of like stumbling around and, um. Yeah, something happens while he's out there, and then I, I won't say much more, but um, if you like Killing of Two Lovers, this feels like, you know, a very similar type of project, uh, especially having the same actor, but it's shot kind of in like a boxy aspect ratio, um, beautiful cinematography, just like beautiful nature uh, cinematography and sort of like the way that he uses the frame. Uh, it's just really, really nice. There's like some shot, there's a shot of him... Um, uh, like skipping rocks, like on a river, just like while he's waiting for deer to show up. Um, and he's kind of like in the bottom of the frame and then he's like throwing rocks and it kind of like the way it just like goes like diagonally, like across the frame of the, uh, the shot just like looks great. Just a lot of like really cool stuff like that. Um, there's some cool like audio, uh, things that they do. So he's kind of, like I said, he's, he's kind of a goofy guy and he's out there and, um, he's bored cause he, he hasn't found any deer yet. And then this like one scene, he, uh, you kind of get glimpses of it before, but there's this one scene where he's like throwing rocks at a tree and he's pretending like he's a, he's a pitcher at a baseball game. So you start to hear like a crowd, like in the background of like the, the audio and you kind of hear like, uh, you know, like an announcer and stuff like that. So you kind of hear like what's going on in his head. Um, so yeah, I, I really dug that sort of like element of it. This is much, uh, lighter than it's not super light, but it's lighter than um, Killing of Two Lovers, and it's a little more funny. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I really dug it. 
How many stars? I think it's a four. Oh, oh, man. It's Robbie. It always, uh, it's when Randy, he's always in that three, three and a half zone, but when he picks it up to that four, it's eyebrow raising territory. (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. You talking about it reminded me of the, uh, the film that doesn't get a lot of love, especially with the rediscovery of this talent. But, um, do you, did you ever see, I think it's called the shooter. Have you ever seen that? Mark Wahlberg? No, maybe it's not the shooter. Is it uh, Trigger Man? My bad, Trigger Man. No. It's an early Ty West, maybe? A Ty West film. Oh, I was thinking Hatchet Man. Oh, God. <laughs> no, yeah. Have, have you seen that one, Robbie? It's the one with the, like, four dudes bumbling around in the woods, right? Yeah. And then there's a guy that starts shooting him. Correct? Yeah, it, it's like uh, three dudes go out hunting. And then they start getting shot and like the movie has no handholding. It, it really doesn't carry you anywhere and you don't know where you're going. And I don't know. It's so interesting. Like, I I really like that film, but when you're talking about this, I'm like, Oh, the kind of like liminal space of the woods. I don't know. It reminded me of liminal spaces. (laughs) Thank you. That's pretty good. (laughs) Just happened. I don't know why I thought of a paintball, that Spanish one. Nope. I don't know if you saw that. I'm going to look that it's up. It's like a, a group of paintballers out in the woods, like the Spanish woods, and somebody starts shooting them for real. Whoa. From 2009? Yeah. is around like Dimension Extremes. Oh, frame, dude. So. Is it good? I want to watch that. Good enough. I it remember is. it. I'm into it. Ron, did you ever play paintball? Yeah, but like hillbilly style just like sunglasses and like oh hell yeah uh, oh, yes, cardboard type <laughs> yeah yeah none of the like face masks or any of that shit no. yeah brother we went we flew fucking solo yeah we yeah we don't need no shit out there we did the same with airsoft yeah that's what i used airsoft yeah paintball is just too messy it is yeah yeah hey, also is it's the kids even paintball, dude. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> like, what's uh, th- people are throwing hatchets now? People are throwing uh, axes and Boise or whatever Randy does. Not at each other. <laughs> no, but that's what uh, paintball was a, a, a thing. Yeah, I think the time is gone. No, I actually think um, they have a league now. Like, the, of I think course, it's there's big. a league. Yeah. There's a league of extraordinary but gentlemen. It's just like how you were into finding all those weird sports on YouTube for a while. Like, oh. remember when you're in the wiffle ball league? Okay, I, st- I still watch the wiffle ball league. Yeah, I still oh, watch. Dude, Robbie, it was fucking cool. Like, Major I- league wiffle ball. Uh, they're good boys out of uh, Michigan. Good boys. <laughs> they're good boys. Um, also, you remember that? I think it's called the the American translation is tech ball, but it was that Brazilian yeah. ping pong soccer sport. Robbie, there's a great hybrid sport of like ping pong and soccer, and uh, Brazilians are the best at it. And a Brazilian buddy at work was telling me about it. He's like, "Dude, you know what that is?" I'm like, "Unfortunately, I do because <laughs> this is how I spend my time." The entry level just seems too high. Like, like it's you're it's playing, crazy. It's like table tennis with your feet. Yeah. It's like how the fuck do you learn how? And to, plus, there's know. like a six foot three beautiful Brazilian broad that broke my heart. <laughs> It's co-ed? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. What? 
Robbie's 2023. We yeah. have to be progressive <laughs> in all of our sports avenues. All right, Randy, anything else? <laughs> no, sir. That's it. Okay. Randy, thank you for your time. Always. 62 degrees. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's very nice. I don't know. 72? I think 62. Oh, Jesus. Robbie, what's up there? Let's get a full weather, uh, Chaco. Uh, Robbie, what is it in Oregon? By the way, are you one of these Oregon people or you say Oregon? Oregon. The people Oregon. in. Well, I make sure to say Oregon. Oregon. Do people Not say Oregon? Or- Hell no. <laughs> yeah. People, people from Massachusetts do. Yeah. So I don't, the Oregon people, I don't understand. Very strange. But how, how are things in, uh, in Oregon? You've been over there a few, uh, you've been there a little while, yeah? Yeah. It's 50 degrees, by the way. 50? What is it here? Um, to close the ball on, <laughs> to close the ball on tech ball, uh, how much do you think a table runs you? A tech ball table? Yeah. Tech a, ball a, a, a proper tournament regulated table. $2,700. Oh. Wow. That's, a, that's a nice time. Again, you want to talk about high entry level. Also, it's 63. Good for you guys. <laughs> California, baby. Yeah. All right. I saw two movies. Now, Robbie, as as you are the a beloved guest that we have this week. So I will I will lay this offer at your feet and you choose which direction we go, okay? You've got two movies. You just choose which order you want to hear first. Do you want to hear me spoil the shit out of a brand new A24 movie that just dropped on (laughs) Apple TV Plus? Sharper. Sharper (laughs) image. I believe Robbie's one of the people that gave us the feedback of stop spoiling movies. (laughs) I loved Money Plane. (laughs) That's why this is a good segment. And number two... A new hot muy caliente property coming out of Peru. Let's get to Peru. That sounds fun. Of course, I'm talking about Usera the Bone Woman. Ooh. You guys hear about that? You guys hear about that? You guys don't spoil this one. <laughs> I know. I, yes, I'm not going to spoil. You Sarah the Bone Woman. Now I don't know if it's U Sarah or You Sarah. I'm gonna say U Sarah. Usara. Usara. That's much better. I like that very much. You just don't say the H, Russell. I know that. Russell, you should know that as a former Mexican. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Valeria has long dreamed of becoming a mother. After learning she's pregnant. She expects to feel happy, yet something's off. And now we're off to the races with Sarah. Uh, here's the thing, guys. This movie's great. Um, I'm glad we're doing this one first because I there's not a ton I, can, I really want to say um, other than go see this. Um, uh, I know that it has played sort of limited theatrical runs uh, here in the Bay Area. I know that the Alamo had it um, for a little while. I think the director was here. I think it was a weird time because I I think was I was gonna go see it and it was like a Tuesday at four o'clock or yeah. something. Yep. Um. But uh, also sold out. Yeah, they're yeah. doing. It's part of the Fantastic Fest, so this played Fantastic Fest and is obviously has gotten a lot of uh you know attention because of that and 
you know, once it kind of gets in that, um, you know, Alamo space and Agfa and all that shit, it kind of, you know, it starts the incestuous fucking promotion tour of everything that's happening in that universe. But, um, really, really, really strong movie. Um, it, you know, it falls into, you know, very similar with Randy, the film Randy was talking about earlier and also, um, Prevenge, if you remember, mm-hmm. um, kind of dealing with that sort of pregnancy, um, you know, anticipation, but of course, you know, this is, uh, strongly rooted in, um, Peruvian folklore. So it adds a whole different sort of element to that. Um, and I think as far as the effects and what they were able to do, everything was pitch perfect. Uh, it was great. Uh, sca- I, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I got, it's, uh, I got a little spooked. It's a little spooky. Little, uh, good, good body horror here. Um, and it's not, it's not over the top in any way. Um, they sprinkle in throughout and I, I, I really like, uh, you know, the, the narrative that was also part of this, uh, it, everyone's strong, uh, the lead incredible. Um, she's great. Love everything about this. Go see the bone woman. Hoxon, which would you rather watch baby Ruby or the bone woman? Probably the bone woman. Okay. I like cultural ghosts or whatever. Yeah. It looks like that perfect kind of A24 movie, too. No, this is not the A24 movie. Oh, it's not. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. No, we're going to spoil the shit out of the A24 Man, movie. What a, okay, so what is fucking Agfa doing wrong? It's not Agfa. Is it? It's part of Fantastic Fest? Well, this is a Shudder property. So, yeah. Oh, Shutter uh, Shudder uh, bought it through Fantastic Fest. I get and it. And XYZ. And XYZ. XYZ. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love them. Uh-huh. Wait, you know, it wasn't Dread? Didn't Dread? Isn't Dread really seeing it with XYZ? Am I tripping? I don't think so. I think I saw the Shutter thing. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's weird. How does A twenty four like impart the prestige on their films, and like every other distro just has a hard time? Is it purely like a monetary thing? Like, are they just putting way more money into it? Or like, what I do you mean? like, like um, like what? this movie. Looking at it, it had like all the hallmarks. Like, it's a very uh interesting like shot. Like, because the trailer's playing on my fucking IMDb. And it's got, like, the aesthetic, the style. It also seems to be very, like, genre forward. Yeah. Where, like, sometimes, like, Shudder will handle shit or, like, other genre distro companies. And they just don't come out with any, like, momentum. But, like, A24 seems to do it. And I'm just wondering if that's, like, a monetary thing. Like, do you buy that energy? Again, this is not an A24 property. I know, but I'm saying A24 does that. Like, remember how Lamb came out? Yeah. Lamb did not deserve the momentum it had. Yeah. Yet it, it was like, oh, the new A24 movie, and there's another like cute mascot animal. I think it's all Sundance, because all of these movies do great at Sundance. Uh Lamb, The Bone Woman just hit Sundance. Like it just played and it's already been released. So Got it. Yeah, because the Bone Woman's been around a little while. And so, I think Sundance was like right there at the tail end of uh, its I mean, oh, okay. j- just the way that like culture digested, like, is it because it did well at Sundance that it's kind of like now it's on the critics, like all the critics are going to love it. So they'll put it up and then people will hear about it that way, as opposed to like um, a 24 just being like, dude, put our trailer in front of Megan. 
You know what I mean? Like, I feel like A24 just plays in the dirt a little bit more. I don't know. They got good marketing. They They're also really like fail on a lot of their movies, though, too. They do. And, oh, you know, yeah. it's funny. Now that I've been fucking around on YouTube with, like, just regular people kind of talking about film, so many people cover, like, the movie A24 is hiding. Or, like, and... Is that the, the Under the Silver Lake video that you're talking about? There is that oh, one, yeah. which, when, when it turned Love out to be movie. Under the Silver Lake, Thank I turned you. it off. I was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that movie got out, got around everywhere. Yeah. But like, um, uh, what was like a movie? And it sucks. It's weird. I'd, I'd rather have a movie take risks than be like I'm boring. I'm with you. Yeah. I watched it. Boring. Not too long ago. I love it. I just love, it feels like the long goodbye for millennials, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, and who needs that? I love that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're going to say that. Fuckhead Magoo is Elliot Gould. Get out of here. <laughs> no, no. I just see it. Look, the tomfoolery of it all is just kind of reminds me of what's of that. What's my guy with the crazy eyebrows? Was at the dumpster in Mulholland Drive? He's in this. What's that guy's <laughs> name? Yeah, Patrick. Uh, Randy, what's his name? Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> I love that guy. He's he's the only thing I think about when I think about that stupid ass movie. Also, him fucking that lady at the end that was cool. The only thing I think about is the uh, the the vertigo. He that old lady. Yeah. <laughs> I just think about the vertigo homage because I genuinely love that when he's following. Actually, you know movie. what? And it ends in like the swan. It's boat. kind of a fun movie. I kind of like it. All right, I'm back in five stars under the silver. Light. I also think about the skunk, and I'm like, oh, what do you think about the skunk ape? <laughs> that's a more important question okay now robbie i i i, I sense some hesitation on you and if you don't it, were you oh no any, I, I, were you I don't want to watch it no, you don't no, want to no. watch it and if it's if you spoil it well enough i'll watch it <laughs> oh now the pressure now the real pressure is on Motivations are suspect and expectations are turned chaos as a con artist takes on Manhattan billionaires. What a hunk of shit reference. It, 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 all right. Okay, here's the thing. This dropped <laughs> on Friday. Sorry, I just pulled up the movie and the poster made me laugh. Dude, this looks like something I would never in a million years watch. So have fun with it. That's what we're trying to do. February 17th. Apple TV. The fuck off. <laughs> Expl- try to explain the poster. Uh, it's the typical cool guy shit. It's okay. So if you were a fan <laughs> of uh, slashers in the eighties, you know, like the genre was uh, struggling for an identity and, you know, it was getting a lot of negative attention. So you were constantly getting either posters that were pushing like the edginess or trying to like hide it, like yep. the howling. And, you know, then scream happens and you get this like, what becomes the most homogenized, boring art interpretation of like what these post slashers are going to be where you just have all the actors in the V formation. It's that, but it's like, I don't know. They mixed it with uh, inception a little bit. It looks like a boring, it looks like the first wave poster from a Marvel movie where they're like, we don't want to give you anything. So here are all the people in it. It's a kaleidoscope. Oh, there you go. <laughs> a kaleidoscope of boring bullshit. It's boring. Yeah. I fucking hate it. Um, here's the thing. All right. So this movie dropped on Apple TV. Apple TV. You gotta have the Apple TV subscription. Nope. And also, A24's got some... They're in, uh... They're strange bedfellows with Apple TV. 
because they they pop in shit all the time and all the and all this shit kind of sucks. Um, I haven't seen an Apple TV. Actually, that's not true. The the Boy State documentary, I did I did enjoy. Um, I did Good have stuff. some problems with that because I am an alumnus of Boy State, and so I have a very uh, they missed some opportunities there. But regardless. I appreciate the effort, and more people need to know about that weird bullshit that is Boy State. Now, with this movie, (sighs) (laughs) it is absolutely, it represents the best and worst of this type of genre um, because it is just, it is mindless. And then it turns into twist on twist on twist and ridiculous premise after ridiculous premise. Yet it's all very, very watchable and very unoffensive, just meaning that I don't care about any of this shit Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of enjoying watching this happen. Okay. Um, Because everything it's everything is done competently and that helps and everyone is fully invested in their role which helps and everyone fully commits to the insane nature that is happening with us. And, uh, all, and also I just think if you were just in tune with Sebastian Stan and his style, then this movie is exactly what you think it's going to be. I, 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 that guy, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I can't get on the same page with him. I think he's a little too winky for me. And he's a little too self-aware with everything, because uh, that what was that movie Fresh, which is the worst hunk of shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's a lot of that. And he's playing a con artist in this movie. And boy, the the let me tell you about the layers of onions that we have to peel in this goddamn nightmare. The first twenty minutes of this movie is one hundred percent a love story, and I'm going to tell you what. It's like an A24 love story, the first 20 minutes. It's actually pretty sweet. Um, I liked it a lot. You got this black nerd who has a bookstore, and then another (laughs) black nerd comes in there, and he's like, "Uh, you want to go out to the diner? And she's like, no, I I like being single. And then next thing you know, he's all sad and mopey, and then he's shutting down the gate in front of the bookstore, and then he turns behind and guess who's, who's there? Is the girl? Oh, the and Grim Reaper they, would. And then they guess. go to the diner, and then yada yada yada, coitus, yada yada yada, love, yada yada yada, montage, and they're in love. We already we got a montage within the first ten minutes, baby, and it's nothing but love between these two black nerds, or we think. And as it turns out, uh, first one, the guy. Uh, his dad is John Lithgow. <laughs> so, of course, when you think of Black Nerd, of course the father has to be John Lithgow, the whitest man on the planet. <laughs> He's playing like a Bernie Madoff kind of guy. Again, they give John Lithgow nothing to do. He's in this movie for maybe one act. They give him nothing to do. He is just a figurehead. There is no character art with John Lithgow. The only reason he exists is because he represents $9 billion. And that's all that these scum care about in this movie. So you got Julianne Moore. She's playing John Lithgow's wife. Well, as it turns out, she's also involved in the scam. 
uh, with Sebastian Stan, who they play mommy and son. But guess what? They're fucking. And they're not really mommy and son. But John Lithgow thinks they're mommy and son. And then they're trying to run scams. Every every, every five minutes, there's a new scam that's happening. And it, it turns into a tornado of Shyamalan bullshit. And uh, it, it ends with uh, the scammers out-scamming the scammed. <laughs> it, here's the crux of the film. The third act is the scammed scam the scammers whoa done it play the, play the, the scammers become scammers exactly the, scam- the scammed become the scammers the scammies no they were the scammies <laughs> now they're the, the scammers they scammed the scams dude that should be our new award show the scammies <laughs> the scammy <laughs> it's like our razzies dude hell yeah no the twist is at the end the audience becomes scammed <laughs> it's it's just uh, it's very it's look i'm gonna tell you not a bad watch it's two hours but if if you find yourself in life where you have nothing to do and you just want to watch something stupid okay damn it's funny you until you mentioned the runtime i hadn't realized i just assumed this movie was going to be two hours if not longer it just had that look yeah. of like, this is a very self-important, homogenized piece of shit. Like, you know exactly what's going to happen, but we're going to make you sit through it twice as long as any other movie. I mean, they, they, they do. So I'm being really mean to this. They film. do some, they do some <laughs> nice things. I mean, yeah. Look, the director. Oh, sorry. Go, go, go on. Sorry. No, the director. What? <laughs> sorry. No, 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 he no, comes no, primarily no. from, from TV. Uh, so it seems like what you're saying sounds like a TV yeah. show or like a pilot or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's all, it's all, oh dude. Yeah. He does, uh, Andor, which is Dis- and the crown. Oh, he did Sherlock. Yeah. But see, that's all, it's all higher gun bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but in this, yeah, it's just, uh, it doesn't sound like this movie's dripping with style. No, th- again, this movie is for people that don't listen to the show. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's so like most of America. <laughs> correct. 100%. Hell yeah. It's formulaic. It's, you know, it's it's the whole thing. Now, it bills itself as a neo-noir, which kind of drives me insane because it's just, this is just, you know, fucking bullshit. But, uh, yeah. Just because, just because it's uh, people try to scam one another, don't fucking bill yourself as a neo-noir. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Well, there, it so sounds the, like there's a femme fatale in it. Not really. Um, <laughs> it's not. They try to they try to wrap up everything nice and pretty in the end. Um, like I said, they end up scamming the scammers, um, and they do that uh, as they fake a shooting. That happens, and, okay. and then we see the behind the scene, and then it's like, oh, this took months to prepare, and and then you see them hate faking that. the thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's one. You know, there's an issue with like a lot of those films where narratively, when you become so so used to like a trope, because you know the rule there is if you let the audience in on the the plan before it happens, it's gonna fail. Yeah, and if you don't let them in on it, it's gonna succeed. Because it's a you know a surprise. Well, yeah. If you can find a way to subvert that in yeah. an interesting way, yeah, 
that does not happen. That is yeah. voided in this I'd, uh, I'd, telling. I would actually be very interested in that. So if anybody listening knows of an example where they break that rule, please let me know because I have not seen anybody like I have not seen that evolve at all. And it's one of those like, dude, if you're telling the audience right now, then we know it's going to fail. And you have to like sit through the whole. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not into it. What did they do cool. with Widows, that Steve McQueen movie? Did they subvert that at all, Clark? Dude, I let me tell you something. I watched it one time, <laughs> and it was a tough watch in the theater. Oh, uh, I liked it a lot. I Viola Davis. I couldn't, I couldn't get on the same wavelength. I don't know why. I, I'm down to, I'm down to revisit because uh, I do like Steve McQueen. I just could not get on the same wavelength. But I don't know. So what happened? Were they like robbing a casino or something? I don't really remember either because the heist isn't really the central no thing. Um, if it's the widows of these uh, heist men, uh, they got killed. See, I, I I don't really remember it well either. <laughs> but I just remember Daniel Kaluuya gives a super chilling performance, and he was Yola so Davis. good in the gym. He was scary yeah, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Look at he got them big old eyes. He's just cold. <laughs> also, I love it. I love it when you see him interview in his his normal voice, and he's British. Yeah. <laughs> God damn, dude. Hey, what about uh, Rafifi? Does that? Oh, Rafifi. Does good. that break it? Because I know they go over the plan, and then they're kind of like in. Well, it. It's Criterion, so yeah. I don't think they do though. <laughs> I feel like it's yeah, more but like Rafifi's cool though. Rafifi is very cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I believe and it learned. started it. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, fantastic. I mean, that's really drawn out the tension of like. Also, Rafifi, Mark Marin. Oh my God! All right, used to be on a show called Rafifi. Really, Pat Oswalt. Yeah, it was a con- old comedy show. Not a fan. Rafifi. All right, uh, Brombie Smith. It is your turn to talk about uh, one. Nate, you you. Let's just do one. What's what's one movie? Uh, I think it's already queued up. That uh, I changed my mind. Okay, uh, here we go. <laughs> I'm not going to do the one I was talking about uh, earlier, and I think I'm going to do a Randy retread. Oh shit! <gasps> here, you got to give me a warning on that. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> it's the Randy retread. <laughs> I told you earlier that um, we we listened to you guys all the way moving from Massachusetts to Oregon. And any time that played, it gave me such anxiety. <laughs> like, like, oh, Dude, no. I it was like, I thought it was like an omen or like something like that. So anytime we knew it was coming, we would just turn it down super fast. And just Dude, like, no, I, we don't need that energy in here. <laughs> for sure. Every time I listen to music that has like a police siren playing, it. man, it drives me crazy. Crazy. No matter how many times I hear it, I freak out every fucking time. You know what I hate? Doorbells. <laughs> what? I always think it's our fucking doorbell. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, because you do walk around the house with headphones on all day. Correct. Yeah. And naked. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm not complaining about that part, though. Thank you. Robbie, this Eo. is where you continue talking. <laughs> Eo, the, uh, the donkey movie. Mm. Oh, yes. Jersey Sklominski. Sklominski. Probably butchering that, but um polish polish i think right i think so yeah 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 
Polish director um, who's been doing it. I think he's 86, and uh, this is his newest movie. I'm sorry. About the life of Eo, a uh, donkey that starts out in like a circus, like your classic circus type thing. Um, and that circus is shut down from bankruptcy, and the uh, animals are all repossessed and redistributed. Some of them going to meat farms, like the horses and things like that. Some of them go to, uh, you know, just like other farms and things like that. Uh, and it's his journey. Um, yeah, it's fucking good. Does he go to a meat farm? Uh, spoiler. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Just spoiler. Fast forward 15 seconds if you don't want to hear this. It ends with him dying, yes. <laughs> Get the fuck It's the out. longest, yeah. saddest, fucking maximalist journey. Uh, super, like, incredibly well shot. Um, and then, yeah, he uh, is herded into... He's just mixed in with the cows by the end, and they just fucking... It's cool. They, uh, he's, they're, like, herding him, and you're like, fuck, is he going to get a, a better ending? Is he just working as, like, a herd animal? It cuts to black, and then they do a sing like a knife sound. Uh, <laughs> Get the fuck. You look traumatized from just hearing it. I'm, I'm, I need dude, the movie made me ball, dude. I was like bawling Ugh. throughout. The, but it's, it's also incredibly hopeful. Like, uh, like it's, it's cause you really think he's going to make it the entire time. Man. Sorry about that. 15 fun. second spoiler thing. Uh, <laughs> well, now, he escapes like multiple times too. So yeah, you're kind of just like, seeing him escape all these like treacherous situations. He kills a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he like ends up on a mink farm where they're just like so brutal with these minks and he's just watching it and he's carrying the cart that they're loading the minks on to go skin them. And uh, the guy's hella rude to him and he just fucking gives him one kick to the head and he just lays there bleeding, dying. <laughs> and the, the donkey's just like late. <laughs> And then he's it's incredible. Full of minks. It's like it's like the very the very first shot shot is the very first shot. The very first <laughs> shot is like this aerial shot in um. It's like you can't really tell it's a circus rink. You it's it looks more surreal, and it's just these two red spotlights uh, alternating. Good, and it's like it'll switch to like a macro shot of the donkey on the ground. Like, um, cause it's like a, it's like his like keeper, this woman who he's essentially chasing and trying to find throughout the entire film, like the only person that's ever been kind to him. And it's like their act of her, like he's laying down, I, he may be acting dead, which is something I didn't think about with like the reciprocal nature of the film of him, you know? Um, but it's just like bombastic music the entire time like kind of operatic just like doom, doom. and it's just like the visual style is incredible it's just like before anything upsetting happened in the film i started tearing up just at the the spectacle and like the um the movie of it like just the pure cinema of it just being like fuck dude like this is how it's done and uh yeah it takes you on a ride i wanted to go back but it's just like and I don't want to dissuade anybody, but it's kind of spirit breaking. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's a, it's a movie for the theater, big time. 
that's why I haven't watched it because I know that I would love it, and I just don't. I don't want to. Now, now we got a dead donkey on my hands. Dude. Yeah, well, spirit-breaking <laughs> movies are usually the ones that really contextualize what it means to live better sure. than anything else. So. No one's living better than Lars von Trier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He has Parkinson's now. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the joke. <laughs> okay, sorry. What is that? Randy, are you hearing feedback or is that my headphones? It's, it's right, someone's input or something. Okay. Sorry. I just want to know sorry. if I was crazy or not. No, it's just you're farting. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'm farting. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> All right. Well, Robbie, while we're talking about your things, I, I pulled up your letterbox because I'm going to put you on the spot. Don't talk and I do want to mention that you gave EO five stars. Five stars. Yes. Is, which you're not- Out of six, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I think it, it's interesting that you rewatched Undead. Oh, yeah. Um, it, was that a first time watch for you? No, read the uh, review. <laughs> so I, I bought, that was the last movie I bought at Suncoast Video before, Ooh. you know, Suncoast kind of went away. For and $69? I yeah, like 35, something like that. And when I was checking out, I was standing behind uh, a mom, like a well-to-do woman with her small kid, and she was buying him a stack of fucking anime porn. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like doing the like classic Bart Simpson bone crusher fucking whiny shit, where he's like, Mom, I wanted the like giant tits in Tokyo or something like that. So is he getting the real shit or like the soft, like did he soft. have a stack of Bible black in there or what's going on? No, it, was, it wasn't like um, upskirt. It was probably all upskirt stuff. I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, th- that's when you knew the future of America right there. All these yeah. fucking anime 2007 or something like that. Dude. I, you know, I had an experience where somebody tried to talk my mom out of letting me buy a Cura from a Costco. It was the last, it was the security <laughs> guard right before you leave when he was checking off the receipt and he went, wait, you're buying a Cura? And he's like, for him? He was like, I really recommend that you don't get this for him. He's too young. Damn. I just remember being like, dude, shut the fuck up. Cock blocked you. What a narc. Dude, yeah. thankfully though, my mom was more offended that he would tell her how to parent. So she was just like, give me the damn receipt. And we like, yeah. we got out of there. But I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, fire this guy. It may be part of his job, to be honest with you. <laughs> no. This guy had that holier than thou kind of attitude. Like, hey, I know. Well, I'm- some people commit to it more than other people. But don't put it on the man. Put it on the corporation. No, he felt like, you know, I'm just a civilian, but I'm taking you into arrest because you're breaking the law. He had that kind of attitude. So fuck like, is chill. Yeah. Too. There's not like any. Well, no. I guess. In like the testing lab, there might be a little tentacle action going on, but <laughs> I don't remember any like gnarly stuff in yeah. terms of like women or rape or nope. like. It's just a little violent. Um, the, you know, I had just come off of watching Perfect Blue and Ninja Scroll, so honestly, mm. <laughs> when I got into Akira, I was kind of disappointed. It, mm-hmm. took, it took me a little bit of like reflection to get into that one. Anyway, um, I also see that you watched Swallowed. And I'm really interesting on your interested on your take because actually the episode following this one we're interviewing the director Carter Smith. We only had like oh, a half cool. hour with him, but I'm excited. Uh, we were really taken. That. We were taken by that movie, and I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. I loved it. Um, I couldn't stop everybody's seat. Uh, okay, fast forward a minute. Uh, <laughs> um, I couldn't stop thinking about how 
temperature temperature controlled um, boxes. They they exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to swallow. So I I really don't think they needed to swallow those <laughs> to get them <laughs> through the border. <laughs> like I really, I mean, see, um, but yeah. That's once you get past that, you're like, okay, this is this is chill. Yeah, well, but it's cool. Well, I, I it's I, awesome. I part, loved it. Part of the ingestion was, uh, I think it was kind of a nod to the uh, gender of the couple. I think another mm-hmm. thing was it felt like you know at the time it's it's drugs, which you know when you get to that border, you know I didn't even think about it until you just mentioned that the border looks so lightly defended that it was almost like, well, it's Canada. (laughs) I know, but in the movie, it felt kind of like, God, y'all went to some extreme lengths to get this shit across when it felt like you could have brought a trunk full of guns and nobody would have checked. Except now that you mention it, you're right. It was just to keep the thing fucking at a temperature. 98.5 or whatever. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, but then... If it didn't burst inside your body, <laughs> how would your dick be hard for no, two hours? I'm just saying I like that kind of storytelling where that's a signal to the audience like, hey, maybe something is off here. Like, because, you know, the problem with a lot of movies kind of handholding and te- like signaling to you how to feel is that when you watch that and you're like, something feels wrong here, but the characters don't necessarily reflect that. You could still be right and be like, oh, I was paying attention. Which, I mean, I couldn't even tell you where the border was when I first watched it. So I was a little like in and out, I guess. But dude. Considering the um, how uh, sociopathic the the boss dude was, though, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't like, we're not spending $40 on a temperature-controlled temperature <laughs> box. We're putting in these motherfuckers, these, these low lives, and we're getting them to point A to point B type thing, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's looking forward to digging them out. He was my favorite character. That's just repulsive. You know, you know who he was, right? <laughs> the actor? I, I I recognize his name, but I couldn't pull him from anywhere else. Dude, he's the final boy from Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Oh, cool. Are, are you really? Yeah, that's Mark Patton. The My Scream? Uh, Dude, he's the brother of Mike Patton. <laughs> <laughs> No, dude. Yeah, it's him. And, um, you know, God, we got to get Terrell talking about it. But isn't he sick right now? Unfortunately, I, think I have. If, no if that's the same guy, I think he has an Indiegogo or a GoFundMe going right now for medical expenses. Oh, boy. Can you pull that up, Oksana? Robbie, what is it with you bringing down the fucking show today? <laughs> it's either dead donkeys or dead actors. Oh, What's no. happening? It says here that he was pushed into a herd of cow, and we haven't heard that. <laughs> a herd of cow. <laughs> He's gone to the slaughterhouse. Fine. He's now sausage. <laughs> Dude, Mark, that guy is such a character. And I, you know, I keep, he's fantastic. I keep comparing him to Dennis Hopper. I felt like that performance in the end of that film was just unhinged. Yeah. Like yeah. genre gold. His, like I fucking loved it. His Paps Blue mm. Ribbon moment. Dude. Hell yeah. So good. Him giving a sponge bath. To a dude, I've, like the sponge bath. This good. is what I want. Like if, uh, like you know, I mentioned it to Carter. Like the fact that this felt like a completely genuine relationship, and the fact that we were seeing a gay couple, it didn't ever feel like it was a marketing choice. Like let's really try and tap in into the moment or something, and it felt like earnest, and it was interesting, and it gave us like a different look into shit. I, man, I couldn't. Uh, man, I really. You know what? I don't think I've 
rated this on Letterboxd. I think I'd have to give it like a four and a half. I thought the relationship stuff was super organic. Like it felt, it did feel real. Me too. Um, It was great. And it came out on Valentine's Day. Five stars. (laughs) Have you seen um, his uh, short film, uh, Bug Crush? No. No. Oh, it's also involves bugs. Um, It's a queer... Um, queer cinema. Uh, it's fantastic. It's it's good stuff. I also just watched his feature he did after the ruins called uh, "Jamie Marks is Dead." Yeah, which is super bummer if you saw that one. No, you know I kept talking to him. Um, oh man, it was a weird interview. We only had a half hour, so I feel like mm-hmm. I'm constantly looking at the time. And you know I like to just like ramble. So I kept saying, like, does this mark like a return into horror? And he kept bringing up like Jamie Marks. And he's like, well, you know, I've done a couple other like they're not like straight genre films, but they deal with like ghosts and darker themes. Um, Yeah. Jamie Marks. It's just a quick synopsis is about a like a quote unquote loser who's killed. um, And a another quote unquote loser finds his body around like the local like get drunk and hang out bridge and she starts to obsess over it and she she causes this other quote unquote loser to obsess over it as well and he ends up seeing him and she admits that she's been seeing him as well um and through a turn of events jamie marks connects himself and attaches himself to this this other uh boy and they they start a little relationship um it's not a not a not a queer relationship but more of like a not a friendship either but like something out of necessity it's it's good stuff it's very slow very sad um and again yeah it's not no hand holding going on you kind of just figure it out uh it's good stuff robert are you watching uh the last of us on the home box office yeah. Did you I watch like epi- I watched episode 3, the uh the very famous episode 3 of that series and that made me think of that. The Nick Offerman yeah. one or Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff, huh? Dude, I was not prepared for that. I I didn't I didn't I watched that I started watching that at 7 o'clock in the morning. I don't need that oh, brutal emotional <laughs> fucking wallop at 7 a.m. Once that Linda Ronstadt uh track starts playing it's that show's great man and uh it's i i like i always like those sort of one-off episodes um that ultimately serve the overarching narrative of the story but it's good to kind of you know i, I don't know it's just good storytelling man they just uh they know how to build it damn um, no uh sorry no spoilers but uh Get ready for episode two or episode four. Uh, save that one for uh, when you're feeling a little better. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I don't think I, I didn't do four yet. So um, it's a wait, gut kick. So before we move on, uh, Robbie, you've completely sold me on Jamie Marks. I want to like order the film. Also, the trailer that was playing on Shutter, dude, it looks fucking phenomenal. He doesn't do streaming at this house, Robbie. This is a oh, physical, yeah. <laughs> physical manifestation zone. You know, the problem is that streaming is so fucking convenient. You know what is really a travesty is when you buy a box set of a TV show because, man, you really got to be hard up to pull out all those discs to get two episodes. Ago. I have the gold definition uh, Twin Peaks. 
which is now very cheap because yeah. the Blu-ray came out and destroyed I that saved up for that bullshit, I too. <laughs> I'm fucking pissed. Dude, I remember going to Rasputin, and they had one for like $150 yep. and just being like, I'm going to get that one day. Yep. Thankfully, I never did. I did when they went out of business, and I, I snooped in there, and it was still more expensive than I thought. Damn, you, oh, you picked that one up? Yeah. That literal copy from that Rasputin in Berkeley? No, no, no. No, oh, this was okay. at Barnes & Noble when Barnes & Noble were going under. Uh, well, Barnes & Noble's still around. Mm-hmm. Some of them. They they closed the one out near me, too. Yeah, they closed a bunch oh, of Barnes & Noble. Like ten, that's 10 years ago, dude. Where have you been? Are you talking about Borders? Borders. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Borders is the one where, you know, uh, much like Robbie's experience at Suncoast, yeah. you would get all the little kids reading anime and you could not walk down that aisle. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that was Borders. Borders, for sure. Um, yeah, Jamie Marks, dude, I'm completely... I'm fucking pumped. It's given me check out Bug Crush first. It where's that available? Um, it should just be on YouTube or okay. Just get get or I'll find it. I'll send it to you. Oh, dude, thank you. Um, and then play Candy Crush while you want. (laughs) Jamie Marks is dead. Is giving me like Dead Girl vibes too. Is that like comparable? It's not too far off. Okay. Dead Dead Girl had that weird skeezy yeah layer. On top of it with like the jock sneaking oh, in yeah. there too. On that Jack Ketchum? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, Based on a Jack Ketchum book? Yeah. I don't it think so. It would make so. sense, but I don't think so. Yeah. It was that yeah. Shiloh Fernandez? Was it? No, that wasn't. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. Trent Hogga. That's who it is. Yeah, it's Trent Hogga's Trent movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wrote it, but I don't think it's based on anything. Um, who directed that? That's a. Uh, looks like co directed. Gaddy oh, okay. Hamel and Marcel Sarmiento. I don't know. I'm terrible with names. Also, did you ever see that movie um, Make Out with Violence? No. Um, no more. I'm down if they're down. It's a Factory 25 uh, release, which I've heard Randy talk about before. Um, but it's a zombie movie about, and I haven't seen it in a really long time, but that's what I was reminded what of when I saw JB Marks. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's, it's gotta be like a no budget movie that some kids made out of just out of high school or something like that. But it looks like it's got like the soft edges and everything's gauzy and pretty. Um, and it's like elevated horror before that term came out. Um, I think it came out 2007, 2008, something like that. Dude, um, it looks good stuff though. Fuck yeah. The Jack Ketchum thing I was thinking of uh is the girl next door. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a brutal one. Yep. Damn, make out with violence? I gotta watch that too. Try and talk Oksana into doing it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, every now and then I just gotta see if she's awake, you know? She's over here, she's supposed to be producing the show. She never taps me on the shoulder and says, like, hey, say this cool thing. <laughs> oh yeah. My microphone is off most of the I'm time. Sorry. <laughs> all right rust dog what you got oh wait hold on i i did want to ask one more thing people probably don't know this about robbie smith who is a uh director a musician and also an avid video game player uh you know these guys are watching the last of us no not the last of us no that is the name of the game. correct yeah you played the game though right yeah yeah uh-huh. does that okay i'm i'm conflicted does it translate well, no, because everything I heard is that people are like, wow, they stuck to the game. Like, it's even, spot on. Yeah. And well, the guy who created the game is a showrunner. Well, I'm mm. saying as somebody who actually I haven't played the game, 
I know they haven't either, but I'm like, should I play the game first or just approach the show now? Just jump in. Okay. I think you'll you'll get a better appreciation for the game. Um, yeah, I think you'll dig it. They did change some things in terms of how the um, spores were spread and how they work in the show compared to the uh, the game, but uh, it's only smart stuff. Okay. Yeah. It's like trivial. Yeah, because it was weird. I had a... Um... Just because I've been so into like video games lately and thinking about them as like a different way to tell stories, like taking them kind of seriously, that mm-hmm. I almost wanted to protect the video game by not watching the show. But if you think it would actually enhance um, the game, I, I, yeah, I'll jump in. I read something that so in the game, a lot of the time you're wearing a gas mask um, because if you breathe in the spores, it's it can affect you. Whereas with the show, they were like, well, we don't want fools walking around with fucking gas masks all the time. We yeah. don't want it to look like it comes at night. We don't want it to look like this, this, this. So I think they changed it to um, the bite, um, like the classic bite, oh, okay. which happens in the game as well. But I think there's a different way it travels, which hasn't been completely explored because they're not really interested in that. It's more about the humans, and that's just one of the many threats on the peripheral. But they use the spores as like, um, you know, talking about how the infected can communicate with one another. Yeah. And then also What's communicate the- with nature as well. Because like, if if you stumble across like, you know, the fungus five miles away. They'll all know. They know. Yeah, which is it's, an actual thing people attribute. It's got a name. right? Yeah. It's called mycelium. Mycelium? Miley Cyrus. <laughs> it's like a name for the network yeah. that they all connect through. Um, TNT. It's a cool word. Oh, dude, I, I know I all about it. I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. I'm very big on the stone <laughs> ape theory. No. Um, yeah. Okay, good. I'm, I'll check it out then. I um, You know, it's a long time ago. Somebody gave me the game and they're like, I know you don't play video games. Play this one. It's really good. I said, okay. And I shelved it. And I think it's still chilling down there. So... Yeah, I've been tempted to pull My it out. My core Heisel network. Yeah, I don't know. How, I'm not, not going to be able to say that, but yeah. All right. Um, what you got? My turn? Okay, I got one. Believe it or not. I Believe I, it or not, I've got one. Wow, that was bad. I You came in strong. It wasn't bad, actually. You carried it, too. I wanted more of the melody. I yeah, really I gave you the it. end. That doesn't mean it's bad because it didn't. Yeah, he owed me, dude. Eo. Also, is that the name of the donkey, or is that just the sound the donkey makes? Eo. Yeah, it's his name. Eo. It's short for Eeyore. <laughs> boo. <laughs> no, Call Randy's back. the only one that can boo me. Call back. Um, oh, did you check out that Winnie the Pooh movie, Robbie? <gasps> You'd have to drag my dead body to the oh, theater. Oh, come on. <laughs> what the fuck? This is where you draw the line at, like, pure blank, blatant just marketing off of an open IP. You don't, you're not into that. I'd watch that at the Overlook Theater. That's okay. Probably the only place I'd watch that. I'll that's, take that. That's a good answer. I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> I we had tickets for the screening because you know they only did one, and um, we had an interview, so we had to cancel on it. And I was kind of bummed, but I'm also like I feel like I might have dodged a bullet. Yeah, I, don't I know. think it, it seems like something you'd love though. 
I, I mean, know. if you got joy out of that Grinch movie, there's no telling what well, you're going to get. Out did of you get joy out of that Grinch movie? The, I had joy because I had the privilege of sitting next to Terrell and Oksana. Happy, happy, well, joy, <laughs> joy. Which, like, my God, that movie. That movie, th- honestly, that movie's why I thought I might have dodged a bullet. Because it, the fun of that movie was the experience of, uh, you know, the way we watched it. Where, like, honestly, I heard the Winnie the Pooh screening was almost sold out. I so, bet. Yeah, I think they knew what they were doing with the one-off. Like, if you don't go now, honestly, it was the Fathom event that scared us. We knew there weren't going to be any trailers, and I'm like, we're not going to make that time. Wrong aspect ratio. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, well, the thing, I remember when we went to go see the thing, so many people contacted me saying, how was the aspect ratio? Did they fuck up the music, too? And it's like, I didn't even realize. I I guess that makes me bad. It was great. Well, I think we saw the second screening. They had fixed that aspect ratio thing already. I don't know. I'm, Robbie, do you notice that? Are you that kind of nerd? Like where you can tell. Yeah. Me? <laughs> <laughs> was it in like four, three or something? Like how did people know? No, I think they did like a pan and scan type thing. Whoa. I like pan and scan because it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds you of your childhood. Yes, yeah, Pan and scan. You know, I'm at a point in my life where if I saw the pan and scan version of the thing, I would probably remember that. That was nicknames for me and my sister. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pan and scan. All right. All right. Um, so I got one movie. And honestly, uh, we're talking about the correct way to view film. Oh, boy. This is a perfect segue. As I watched the movie in the um, wrong way. And it's weird to even think of that as like a concept. But this week, I'll be talking about the new Eli Roth film, Be Mine. Get the fudge out of here. (laughs) Which is a 30-minute movie that came out over the Oculus TV channel as it is a VR short. Um, You're saying a lot of words that are confusing (laughs) the fuck out of me right now. What is happening? Let me go ahead and say this. Um, Eli Roth has become kind of a verbal punching bag for us because it's so easy to kind of pick on him. He was boys with Tarantino. I kind of like him, though. Here's the thing. I kind of like him, too. But he he was doing this the bear juice stuff. I don't know. He just felt like his, he felt like the Brendan Schaub of like directors, <laughs> where it's like Ooh. you could have made it here on your own, but you had a buddy and he kind of lifted you up. And you know, even though Green Inferno, I'm I love that I had the opportunity to watch a cannibal movie in a mall theater. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm like, why were these CG ants in there? And you know, nothing is perfect, but yet I kind of like everything. So I want to root for him. I uh, didn't watch his TV show, which I think he did with Crypt TV, which this is another Crypt TV product. And honestly, I didn't even know about it. Be- and it seems like nobody fucking knows about this movie. But thankfully, again, um, I mention him too much every week, but Terrell brought it to me in the form of a uh, dump drive. I don't know how he got it, but he said, I want you guys to watch this. Dumps like a trope. It's a, it's a post scream slasher. It's only 30 minutes. He said it's very quick paced. And, um, I'm stalling now because Randy walked away. Randy, you're going to want to hear this because here's the thing. It's made for the Oculus Rift, which uh, I have questions. You shoot that on a 3D camera. I think what they did is they shot it on a GoPro with like a fisheye and then you wrap what you're doing. A dragonfly, I have been told. Here's another thing. So he, this isn't the first time he's done this. He had another film called, um, hold on. I'm a fantastic journalist and I totally had this pulled up. It's Eli Ross haunted house trick VR treat. Oh boy. I, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I he did that for Facebook, right? He did it on Facebook, Instagram, what is happening? but it airs live. I think in the Oculus Rift TV, which I didn't even know was a fucking thing. 
this is what happens when you can't sell a movie anymore. <laughs> well, you're, you no, push for so, Oculus Rift on Facebook. It actually feels like the reverse. It's is like, times that bad for Eli? It feels like Zuckerberg is like, hey, I've put billions into this thing and it's not working. Who's a name director that we can <laughs> rap? You know what we can Eli, get me Eli Roth. <laughs> they're like, who's a fucking cool motherfucker? And they're like, this guy knows Tarantino. Wait a minute. Who directed the rotten fruit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get me that guy. Maybe he's a huge cabin fever fan. I don't know. But so they brought well, him they, in. Travis Z needs a job. Well, here's the thing. So if you Bring are a three DO fan, which Robbie, I know you like video games, or if you remember the early like CDR realm of uh video games you got a lot of this weird narrative where they tried to use um real footage which you can't interact with so if you're playing a character in a game basically you you had to embody the camera it's like early pov cinema and they're talking at you and i don't know it just never worked like in the early 90s where it's like hey get over here we gotta move and you're like on a universal ride and it's like quick j- wait dodge and you know you're just kind of sitting there while people are talking at you and the dialogue- there's a SWAT one a SWAT PC game like that oh yep that was so gnarly dude it was, it was good stuff though. I, I remember it was that like a home invasion game or are you part of the like SWAT team you're part of the SWAT team and you so you come upon like crime scene sometimes but most Whoa. of the time it's like that um arcade shooter law enforcers or whatever where you're just like you're scrolling and you're shooting in a bank or whatever and it's <laughs> yeah that's hey before favorite. i forget sorry i just hijacked here no no uh, go for it um did you know adam sandler was supposed to play uh eli roth's role but had to pull out last minute and that's why eli roth is in Inglorious Bastards. I did hear that. Oh, the Sandman was supposed to be the Bear Jew. Now, here's the thing. I'm the Bear Jew. (laughs) I'm the Bear Jew. Thank you. Honestly, I feel like that would have been uh, incredible. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that would have been fantastic. Let me tell you something. No matter what it is, the Sandman's going to bring it. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Trust the Sandman. Dude, who be Halloween? (laughs) Hell yeah. He loved Hubie love Halloween. Halloween. Fuck Hubie. Oh my God. I mean, I watched it. I, you know, Every I'm, year. <laughs> tradition in the Smith household. We love it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you were looking for. But that I know. I'll, I'll, I prefer. I'll take Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Oh, dude. Over Hubie Halloween. Robbie, where do you land on The Monsters? We didn't pull the trigger. Oh, come oh, on, man. Robert. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Dude, you I like, just can't imagine. You like, dude, it's so good. No, I mean, it is the, oh, dude, it's just, it's unique. So just in that, it's unlike anything else. It occupies a weird space in current IP wars. And it's shit. the best thing Sherry Moon has ever done by a long <laughs> shot. Yeah, we're, we're defenders here. Sounds um, like we have a uh, double feature for uh, next time I visit. With, uh, oh, dude, yeah. please. Um. Okay, so be mine. Oh, so we were talking about the first one he did for Oculus Rift, Eli Roth's Haunted House Trick VR Treat. Now, I was looking up a lot of the commentary on the YouTube trailer post, and people were like, God, I'm so sick of this POV dialogue. Like, basically what I was just talking about. And it's interesting because uh, Be Mine doesn't take that approach. It's actually a uh, like, I don't know what you would call it. It's a non-character camera. So it's it's set up shots like you would a traditional film, which I hadn't thought about, but seems like a no, no for a VR movie. But man, he kind of cut all the fat off of a slasher 
And again, we are talking a post scream. So we're not really dealing with like supernatural elements here, but it's more of a whodunit. And they lean hard into the whodunit and they, they lean hard into, um, a kind of alternate reality where college kids have mega parties for Valentine's day. Again, I don't know if that's actually a thing, but there's a lot of uh, pretty people wearing all white getting wasted. And we, we have what I can only imagine is like a GoPro on a long selfie stick with a low camera angle moving through crowds of people. And the experience I had um, watching it on a projector was really interesting. It felt like it was breaking all of the rules of uh, traditional like film, like the way that they captured people in a lot of shots, you would be able to see their feet to the roof of the, the room, which, you know, in classic Hollywood, it really stood out that you never saw a ceiling because that's where you hide all the technical equipment or yeah. there wasn't one because it was lighting rigs. And in this one, it really you felt like you're in the room because you see all of it and a lot, a lot of medium shots, a lot of long shots, but we still get close ups and like the first beat of this movie is a dude taking an arrow in the neck and it's quick. Like we're just moving and the killer's dressed like Cupid and it's dude, it just fucking works. And honestly, Randy, as it's only 30 minutes, I would say, watch it just for the way that they use a frame in this film. It's so interesting. And I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. The storytelling here. Fantastic. Directing, fantastic. When it ended, I turned to Oksana and Terrell, and I'm like, dude, this might be my favorite Eli Roth movie. What happened? Like, why is this so different? I looked it up. Ah, he didn't direct it. <laughs> there we go. So uh, he wrote it, which, I mean, I think a lot of the complaints I have. I heard Adam Sandler actually directed <laughs> it. <laughs> it was actually directed by Adam McDonald, who uh, oh, I, thought, I was really Oh, interesting. Him. No, so Adam is that the guy? Go ahead. He did the um, the Hulu one. Yeah, he did. Uh, wait, I wonder which one you're calling the Hulu one. Get the, I think you know who. I'm just is. fucking with you. Oh, okay. I no, no, that's the name of the that's the name of the Hulu thing. It's it's called "I'm Just Fucking with You." Oh, it's, a, it's one of those out of the dark ones or whatever. I don't know. I'm looking for it right now. I think you're right though. Um, yeah, I think he's homies with Deftones. It's like so it's, the ones that I knew he did Backcountry, which everybody remembers being a found footage movie. Oh yeah, the uh, with the bear with the bear attack. Um, that is the good bear stuff. Here. He did Pie Whack It, which uh, oh nice. He did. Oh, um, this isn't the guy I'm thinking. I'm thinking Adam Mason, I believe. Okay, because he did do the Haunted Museum, which was a TV series. So I didn't know if that was like an episode of that. Um. Oh, hello, Kitty. <laughs> Henry, get um, down. And then he also did a slasher. He did some of those too. So this dude is oh, a, cool. Yeah, he's a genre guy doing good work. He's a what guy? A genre. Thank you. I know. I don't know. Where, <laughs> I don't know where that clip is. Um, yeah, man. I fucking I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It's only thirty minutes long, um, and it knows the genre. Like you just get none of the fluff here. It's just you're just in it, and. Now, as a it warning, looks like a sequel to Valentine, by the way, it's it the same cherub mask, right? Yeah, no? but I don't think it's connected at all. Actually, okay. this, this film gives no fucks about context. Like when you get in this movie, if you take a breath and go, wait, why did they like if you ask any questions about anything that happened, nothing holds up. But hmm. I kind of respect how they don't give a fuck. 
Yeah. The little story being driven here, it just, it works. Well, that's what our government's been <laughs> putting down our throat for years. Am I right? No, I highly recommend this. You can watch it for free, I think, on Facebook and Instagram. It's kind of a bitch to find. I, I found it by going on Reddit and searching Be Mine Eli Roth movie. And somebody said, has anybody heard of this? And they included a link. And then there are a couple people commenting. But like, dude, it's getting no love. And I mean, like, dude, you go on fucking Letterboxd, it's got, like, no fucking reviews. So I, this is my problem. I think a lot of film fans get stuck in, like, the traditional way of, like, watching movies. Yeah. And the fact that this exists as, like, a VR product, they just, it's not even on anybody's radar. Sure. It's its the crypto of the movie world. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's also, like, kind of a privileged thing. Like, VR is, like... You know, I mean, like oh, people who have this rift or something. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's like that's that's a lot of money. Like, not you know, you you have to think about who actually owns those things. And a lot of the horror crowd. I mean, I know a lot of people collect and things like that, but we're poor. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. You know, so it's like that's the last thing I want to go get. But and to spoil my, you know, we we view you know or collectors and things view. Yeah. You want that, you know, you want your big screen, you know, yada, yada. But it seems like you've figured out how to bring that to your big screen. Yeah. You know, that was interesting, too, because I had a lot of fun watching it in a group setting. And I'm like, I feel like the way this was meant to be digested is in a singular experience where like, you know, I've dude, he's done extensive interviews with like an Oculus Rift journalist, like from their like, I don't know, the TV channel. And it's a lot of interesting shit, but it's like, dude. The TV channel. Yeah. Or I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> dude, it's so weird. It's called, uh, actually, it's Meta. Meta Quest Blog. Oh, more Facebook crap. Yeah. it's Meta That's why I'm not hearing about this shit. No one uses Facebook either. No, and I no. think- Because uh, Zuckerberg... they're still looking for QAnon over there. <laughs> I, yeah. Zuckerberg's still like, uh, it feels like he's drowning, dude. He's, he's desperate. Oh, he's going to be fine. But, you call for those uh, Rowan guys, those guys that row. Wait, so the Winklevi. <laughs> yeah, there you Winklevoss go. Winklevoss twins. I love Bad them. social network joke. Well, they're they're they've doubled down on uh, on crypto. Oh yeah, they've been they're, uh, good they're, time. The crypto bros. They're crypto philosophers. Hoddle. <laughs> yeah, hoddle, dude. Um, to the moon. Um, no, Robbie, do you have any like VR gaming system? I just told you I'm poor. I know, but you know, <laughs> you could have stolen it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, no, no. I've thought about getting like the class, like the silly one that you can just put your phone in. Oh, yeah. like you put and it magnifies it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that comes with all the bells and whistles that something like, cause are you not supposed to like look around with that stuff? Like be able to look behind you, you know, like, do you mean like in terms of this film in particular or in general? Or is that just games? I don't know. I, I, I just sound so old right now. Like, I, hey, I feel you. And you know what's even weirder? I'm going to borrow one so I could watch this movie. And I'm borrowing it from my mother. Because <laughs> I, was raised by, I was raised by children. This is, you know, I tell people all the time, it's not cool having your parents play video games. Because they ignore you when you're younger. Well, well, based upon the other description of your your mother, then you have to tack that on. So you were raised by a child, which <laughs> that is actually an interview probably coming out in another week. So oh, that's true. Hold that in your back. Pocket. We got a lot on the table, dude. I, yeah, we're back at it. 
but we we also got more in this uh in this uh interview because uh you know i, I don't know if, if you know this but um you know i got a big movie coming out so that's why we brought in the director uh to talk about it uh very important so robbie all, all jokes aside um this is this is uh your first feature film and uh we're we're very happy to have you here as uh, just an exercise of that this is a big deal and uh you know we we talk to people all the time about you know their movies and whatnot but now with you know one of our friends to have them on uh, to talk about their feature film it's fun that's the end of me being uh melodramatic okay <laughs> yeah thank you i begged uh Russell and Oksana to have me on. Yeah, I had to beat him off. <laughs> I said, you have to give Clark a bigger role in your next film. Otherwise, we just can't do this. I'd love to. I'd love to make a feature of the Clark short. There are only there are no small parts, only small actors. That's <laughs> Thank true. you so much. Now, can you reword that with a little joke in there? There are no little parts. <laughs> I'm the Clark little actor. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it. Robbie, uh, what's been- <laughs> no, I thought you were yeah. building to something there. I wanted to give you your room. No, no, no. It's good. No, you can take it. No, uh, dude, Robbie, congratulations, dude. I know you sent me a link for the new, like, finished product, but man. Uh-huh. Wait, I'm- you shot in Finland? Oh, my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> Clark, are you going to watch this one with me? We already watched it. No, the new, it's done. He did the color. Yeah, sorry, that was unfinished. Yeah, that's yeah, unfinished. that's the way I want to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his his um, part is way louder in, that, in the unfinished one. We turned him down quite a bit. Because uh, <laughs> like, it's AM radio. No one listens to I AM radio. It just, just exists. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I heard you give a funny review about it after you had seen me at my show um, about the pacing. Oh, yeah. Wait, are you talking about me giving a funny review? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Well, it's, it's tough. It's pacing only a director could love or something. No, no. Like well, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> I, get a lot of, I get a lot of negative feedback about talking too much about mirrors and shit <laughs> and, like, you know, interpreting film and, like, you know, just ideas within the frame. And I wanted to be very careful not to turn people off by your film by leaning into uh your style because dude you make choices in that film that just aren't like you don't see them in regular movies like lingering on a scene for a long time and to me i'm always like that's robbie like i i feel like i'm in your head and i've you know i've had the privilege of knowing you and i'm like this is the kind of shit that even if you had like a team of producers trying to say dude we got a cut from here i just feel like that would be the the sword you would fall on where you're like, no, dude, like we got to linger here. And I just, I don't know. I'm constantly trying to like calibrate to where I can make something like that sound enticing and not scare people off. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. I mean, clearly, dude, your film is not for basic bitches, man. <laughs> There's a um, a movement, I guess you'd call it, called slow cinema. Uh-huh. Um, yep. And there's a director in there called, uh, her name's Chantal Ackerman. And she did most famously Gene Dealman, which is just like a day in the life of a, a homekeeper. Um, but there's all kinds of story in there. You just have to wait for it. I think it's only like three and a half hours, which not bad. Um, <laughs> oh, reason, actually. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. 
I it almost becomes a horror movie that movie because you're waiting and it's and like there are things that come up where it's just like oh my gosh um, well then i almost will watch it <laughs> i prefer scott ackerman how about that she has a movie called um hotel monterey yes and it's uh 62 minutes i think it is it's good it's uh, in uh, community college too incredible it greatly, yeah 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 and it's just like static shots of a hotel that was later torn down and it's just it's it's super decadent very pretty um but it almost feels like a horror film because people will show up in frames and they don't look particularly friendly or um, they look sad so it kind of it's almost like a this hotel is haunted um so that's that's my huge my biggest inspiration is Chantal Ackerman and slow cinema. Yeah. You see, when you're talking about <laughs> your inspiration and Randy chimes in like that, so excitedly, <laughs> that's where I'm like, God, Robbie, you should put a fucking clown in your movie. Like, let's make some money here. What do you think? There's a stick monster in there. <laughs> yeah, dude, we need, we need uh funny one liners. We need to hear a lot of bitches going on and we need titties. Yeah. We- <laughs> Yeah, where's the new? I am shocked. Yeah, not a single tit. Yeah, or a dick. Or a dick. My first uh, short film, the guy is naked almost the entire film. So yes, I know, but we're talking about your first feature, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we need hogs and logs. I got to save that for the third one. For the third, I mean, I definitely know of a short film that Clark Little's in that you got some candid. Uh, uh, I cut out all that stuff. Why? <laughs> Did I send you the updated version? It's it's much more uh, YouTube friendly. I've never There's seen no it. nudity. Uh, <laughs> there there is a shot, and I think I might have mentioned this on here before, where Clark is in the mirror. There we go again. Let me but tell you something. It, you mentioned Tarantino more than you mentioned mirrors on the show recently. I do talk <laughs> a lot about mirrors, though, and that's when I put my thinking cap on, and I think people get offended or bored by it. Randy's so. got his thinking hood. Uh, <laughs> No, but there's that moment where you are shaving your head in the mirror of Robbie Short and you're doing your Jonathan Taylor Thomas bit over it, but it's like a VO, like Harmony Kareen. I think about that regularly. <laughs> I just think it's genuinely good. Like, I'm not Joe. I love that so much. But again, like, it, how do you market something like that? That's right. And then, you know, Robbie, Robbie, uh, he may be the only person in this room who's seen my butt. <laughs> I saw it in I've seen the book. whole damn package. He's seen the whole thing. And he keeps coming back. That's right. I know. <laughs> Why is it every time I'm on camera, I'm naked? Or he wants me to scream. Every time I do something for Robbie on camera, I'm either naked or screaming. <laughs> <laughs> what other time were well, you? I, you wanted me to scream on this recording. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wondered why you didn't do that. I didn't like it. <laughs> Dude. I don't like to scream. Oxana did her part. Oxana did great. <laughs> Oxana's clutch. She just does what she's told and asks no questions. Because that's what the <laughs> Russians have done for centuries. <laughs> but Clark, oh my God, we should have had a camera in here. The amount of back and forth with him and just being like, my God, why is he making me do... Like, you were getting, like, angry. You're like, you didn't <laughs> want to channel the, the Alex Jones thing, but then... It's weird because the first set of recordings you sent me, you did a couple of like Rush Limbaugh style ones. Yeah, but then you say you didn't like those, so I went with the other yeah. ones. Yeah, the more NPR <laughs> type guy. 
Yeah, I just went with, you know, Clark voice. Well, okay. We got you here. And, you know, a long, I think years ago, you sent me the script that turned into this feature. And I believe the script was like three and a half pages long. No. (laughs) It was short. How many pages was it? When it was completed? Oh, I don't. The one you sent me was very short, and I was like, "Oh, it must have just been like an outline or something like." Okay, because I remember thinking, I you know where I was. I'm like, "Hey, with Robbie, I feel like if I asked him, <laughs> dude, this is going to be a feature,' you'd be like, don't worry, we'll figure it out.' Or like, you know, all of the B-roll that kind of builds like the world. I, uh-huh. There'd be a lot of that, so I, I remember not even questioning it. But dude, the newest it, one is like pretty much the same as the count like how they say it's like oh, okay. i think it's about 62 pages or something okay damn yeah but i don't it's funny because i didn't even question it with you I just... but i write like a when i write i mean i don't write scripts properly i kind of write them like a book like uh or like a like you'd write a novel or novella or something like that dude i gotta hook you up with um listener sam he's one of our homies that he works on the unnamed footage festival and he's written so many pierce yeah Samuel Pierce yeah, and I like your conversations with him, dude. He is a fantastic writer, but he, um, he's a big fan of, uh, Zoller. And he talks about, uh, he, he was the first one that told me that there was a whole like market based around people just buying Zoller's scripts because the way he writes is so unlike, uh, you know, a traditional screenplay writer would write. Everything is like a novel. And I he is a novelist. Yeah. yeah. But like, there, it's weird because, you know, when you write a screenplay, you almost, there's like a internal conversation you have where you don't want to give direction of like, like, do you want to spend time detailing what a table looks like when ultimately you wouldn't necessarily have any say in that? You know what I mean? I think like, when you're, when you're writing to this budget, like nothing and you don't have to show it to anybody and you don't need approval, you can write it however you want. Yeah. But if you were to send it, if I were to send it to somebody that like when I was doing that competition, trying to get um, the money from the, we make movies thing that you guys helped me with. Oh hell um, yeah. By the way, they, that, was, that was brutal to watch, by the way. I just want to be very honestly, <laughs> I'll say it. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have wasted my time doing it. Like I, I realized now that that, that hurt my creativity when it came to the film rather than, oh boosted it well, like because i was treating it like a product that i needed to sell to these silicon valley jerks you yeah know? wait can you give a little context to the whole my movie thing just for people listening so i won a cell phone uh a 90 minute cell phone short film competition and through that which i got to talk to nick castle with that that was super sick oh rad um through that they gave you several memberships with like indie um, seminars, things like that, um, message boards, like Indie Hustle. And one of them was We Make Movies, um, which I believe they charge you around $25 a month uh, to be in their know, to be able to log in, to go to these seminars, these talks and things like that. But it's funny, no one involved has made anything you've seen. So oh. it's like, why are you running this? Why yeah. are you the gatekeepers here? If you haven't made anything that we can watch on YouTube or like even YouTube, like I can't watch it there, then why are you running this? So, but I got kind of swept up in the possibility and 
my confidence kind of took the wheel at a certain point once I started advancing in the rounds. Because I threw my hat in there and was like, if I make it to the next round, very cool. But then it started to become a thing where I was trying to sell myself and this product to gain something, I mean, as measly as $25,000, which I didn't even make. I made this film for 16000 So it's like... Double fuck them. I, yeah, <laughs> I've been wanting to like, I want to get in a festival and be like, hey guys, you know, kindly and and be civil about it and be like, hey, just so you know, I, I made the movie because none of their people have made the damn movie yet. And I, I yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm, uh, I don't want to sound petty. <laughs> we can <laughs> but do it, that yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. No, totally. But you're right. It, you know, it's funny. I was thinking of um, Putrefiction. Did you did, did you ever get to check that film out, Robbie? Yeah, I loved it. I um, drew a uh, like alternate uh, like cover poster. for him and yeah. sent it to him. And he, he, he was it. into it, from what I heard. Yeah, yeah, dude. So Putrefiction, there's a again. I'm sorry. I know this movie is not available yet. I think he's going through the same thing. He's trying to find distro, and it's a fantastic found footage film we showed in um, a five, and well. There's a there's a narrative in the story where our lead is trying to become a filmmaker and she is basically doing what you did where she's trying to sell not only her ideas, but her. And she ends up in this uh, beautiful interpretive dance sequence. And the people who she's doing this to are anything but artists. And it's funny because hearing you recount the story, I just kept thinking of that. And I'm like, holy shit, you're totally right. It's like, who the fuck are you guys to be like, what is art and what isn't? Yeah. And I, I mean, that's, it's going to happen no matter what, though. Yeah, so, no. I mean, it was a valuable lesson because if this movie does any type of well and I have to deal with those people again, then that's fine because I know how to do it. But yeah, I don't know. They were just so weird. They were just obsessed with like three act structure and like rules and things like that. I'm like, dude, fucking movies, dude. Like, <laughs> like if you've ever seen, you know, what's that French fucker's name? Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Which God one? damn it, Breathless. Oh, Godard. Oh. It's like, have you ever oh, seen Godard, fucking Godard, man. dude? Come on, it's like goodbye to language. Just don't talk to me about three act structure. Very interesting, Godard. He actually made an Oculus Rift uh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> did he really? No, but I mean, dude, uh, I think he did 3D towards the end did. of his life. Yeah, yeah that, that's goodbye to language. It's so good. Oculus <clears throat> Rift was around the corner. If he well, he uh, he did assist. He still. Suicide. Oh no, he just died. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> he went mid- back, boys. He did the midsummer. He uh, walked off a cliff. Oh, that's the dream. <laughs> that's Randy's. I don't dream. know what's better. Would you rather do the midsummer or the boy, where you walk into the ocean with a pocket oh full of God. rocks? Oxana, a pocket full of rocks. Yeah. is that a lyric to a song? Uh, Alanis Morissette. There you go. Yeah. Wait, no. <laughs> what? What is? Isn't that what uh, Virginia Woolf did? Or no? Is that? Yeah, I think. Uh, Who's afraid of Virginia her? Virginia Woolf. Yeah, yeah. Who was that woman? God damn it, Jane Austen. No, the woman who wrote <laughs> Mrs. Dal- Miss Dalloway. Uh, Lacey Peterson. <laughs> Come on. Come on, we got two producers on here. Help our guest out, John Benet Ramsey. Virginia Woolf. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she uh, 
committed suicide by putting rocks in her yeah which into. is incredible when there's like a literary reference in the middle of the boy which feels the most like mall core genre film yet you know we talked to billy brent billy brent and you know there's an artist hiding in the machine which god i don't think that was a great interview by the way oh thank you really well done um Uh, you know it's funny because i don't think he got it in you to do that robbie (laughs) i think if like uh marvel ate you up if you were suddenly in front of the board of disney i don't know if you could hide your like your art like billy brent's been able to manage i only want to make uh slow cinema with uh horror injected i'm that's all i want to do you just say make- that but i got a really good idea for a buddy cop drama you and me <laughs> <laughs> I, I i would love to make like a slasher like a a mean quick slasher but then i would throw in like i don't know some some like some theater type shit. Well, you know, it, if you can frame it correctly, I I think that was the strength with It Follows, is it's like mm-hmm. in the slasher world, but they've they changed the game where you you had this like in the back of your head, you knew that they were always coming for you. Like, direct- did you watch Tar? I haven't watched Tar yet. He's he's dumb. You know, uh, <laughs> Robbie. You know, I'm a contrarian. And when we have a fucking guest on here who said he watched it five times in the past two days. Lanano. Dude, Brian Lanano also. Did he talk about the ghosts in it, though? Oh, I I don't know. The ghost of Tar? There's ghosts in that movie. Like, uh, there's always one following her. And then also, if you look around in certain reflections in the film, you can see the ghost in there, too. All right, I've got to read Tar. He gave me goosebumps right there. It's good, dude. Because you you watch it at first, and there's these there are these shots where you're like, oh, is this the woman, or is this a character you heard about earlier stalking her? And then you know you find out that that woman's been dead, and oh, uh, then you start it starts becoming more prevalent. It's not like hereditary or anything like that, but it's like you look and you'll find it. Damn. What did you think about the part where they did like an homage to the crying game and then we see Kate, Kate Blanchett's dick? What? What? <laughs> what the fuck? That's my favorite part of Where time. did that come from? I'm just trying to pepper up the show. Y'all are fucking kill me with dead donkeys and fucking <laughs> bad bullshit and slow cinema. You fly in a Chinese spy balloon? I'm trying to pepper it in with dicks and spies, baby. Oh my God. Well, pepper in uh, Robbie's next movie. Now, Robbie, what is, what is the plan for grief? Now, it's everything is done. You've completed. So now you, you how, are, how are you pushing this out to the world? It's in, I've submitted it to several film festivals um i won't name them because i think that's unprofessional i i think yeah it's we're a professional show for legitimate <laughs> continue but uh we've been rejected from two so far uh and i i get so insecure i start to think like well do they even fucking watch it well, oh, shut the fuck know? up hey robbie let me jump in there i'll tell you as a person who does a film fest it is uh it, it, it's gut-wrenching the like hurry up and wait that makes up this whole like i don't know like market this whole culture and even on our end there's times where we know we can't show a movie and we have it easy sometimes where it's just not even found footage it's not in world camera yeah and mm-hmm. we're like then you get in your head of like well should we tell them now 
And, you know, we've talked a lot about that kind of stuff. And ultimately, we're like, we can't. The answer is no. Yeah, we can't start accepting <laughs> and denying people out of order. We got to kind of do it in one wave. And it's such a bummer. And especially when you tell people like, man, we would have shown it, but we already have packed this schedule and we are stupid for that already. Mm-hmm. And you can be sincere, but you just know it never feels that way. That's the thing. And that's why I think there are so many film festivals, because it, it you need to have processes, first of all. And like for, you know, we have, you know, with Unnamed Footage Festival, very strict regiments of what yeah. is going to be accepted. So like you said, that is a benefit to yeah, that. For sure. our, like, you know, a good portion of these, oh, we don't even have to spend however many minutes or hours watching that because it's not going to be a part of it. But, um, you know, I think that's why there's so many to fill in, you know, the gaps there. Because a lot of stuff falls in the cracks and, you know, sometimes you miss stuff. And also one person may not be tuned into that. Like one person is the gatekeeper for a movie. Oh, yeah. Like Mm -hmm. that's very possible in a lot of film festivals. Well, remember, uh, we did um, Altair. Like I rallied against that movie the first year and I'm sorry. And we showed it three years later. We showed it three years later and it crushed. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like at that time I was really into, no, we have to stick to in-world camera. And I believe there was like, there were a couple moments where it's like, oh, there's going to be a conversation. And it's so like up my own ass about it. And you look back on it, you're like, dude, we blew that. But the thing is, what I'm saying is like, yes, there, there has to be processes to keep everything flowing. And like, sometimes though, there are exceptions to that. And, uh, that's why there's, you know, send it out to as many film festivals as possible. Except it, Cause it's just, oh, yeah. it's a grind, man. Here. And it just sucks. Let me, let it's me fucking expensive though. Dude, that's also what sucks mass. about it. It's like, you just pour money into it. Yep. And at the same time, I think there's a small chunk of pride connected to each dollar that you're throwing into that pond. Yeah. Yep. And then when it's rejected and it, goes out into the ether it's just like well my pride followed that 60 to 120 dollars and it's like but i i've been trying not to be so precious about it because i mean it, it is a movie made knowing that it was going to alienate people yeah like i i mean no spoiler i have a five minute sunrise in there <laughs> <laughs> like, i mean i think it's just short of five minutes but that's the type of shit i love like it's got this super swelling score, and I like to watch the fucking sunrise. You know what I'm saying, dude? Robbie, um, I me, do, brother. Let me here. I'll give you. I'll give you a little candid information here. You worked with one of our family members on this uh, film, uh, Bill Spataro, Uncle Bill, who's been on this show many a time. Now, Bill comes from the very like Hollywood. I mean, he's Hollywood. He works on big movies. That's and- the first thing you think of when you think of Bill. <laughs> Hollywood. Oh, he's worked with Matthew McConaughey. You know sure. what I mean? Well, he's also worked on Tales from the Hood 2 and got to meet Keith David, which yeah. is the only highlight of that movie he will ever talk about. Um, he worked on Renfield. You know, like, and he would call me and he'd just be like, man, Robbie's got a movie. He com- it, This thing's good. And he's just like, he's got to cut down these fucking scenes, though. And I would have these conversations <laughs> where I'm like, and I'm like, dude, Bill, that is those moments, that five minute sunrise, which is not an embellishment. I'm like, that's Robbie, though. And I, he'll just, I know, but he should have listened to me. He should have edited. The, and I'm like, Bill, you're not getting it, dude. And and but here's the thing. So Bill, who talks shit on every movie he's ever worked on, constantly says how you ran the best set, 
He said he loved everybody there. He, everything was a positive experience. I guess he, he put a ton of money into driving out there. He's like, I don't even give a fuck. He can't pay his rent right now. And he's like, I am. It was so cool. I loved meeting all those people. He, he got he made canvas art of a picture he took of the monster in your movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I I don't know what you did, but you pulled the thorn out of the lion's paw or something. You softened that guy's heart and he is a curmudgeon. So. (laughs) So, yeah, I've heard him on your show uh, (laughs) disparaging other sets and things like that. Yeah, I tried to. I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, at the time, the uh, union strikes were going on. Um, So I got super insecure again, like where I was just like, fuck, we're going to have to do eight hour days, stop it right on the dime and also feed people breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, So we treated people like fucking royalty (laughs) because we weren't really paying anybody. Um, So I think that's why people were so happy, but that's the key to it. I mean, everybody was super stoked to like laugh and have fun. But then the second we started doing, you know, a three minute kitchen take or something <laughs> like that. Everybody shut the fuck up. You know? uh, I, yeah, t- it, went, it went fantastic. Dude. He told me one story where like you had wrapped for the day and you guys were hanging out in the kitchen and everybody was just having a great time talking about how beautiful it looks. And like, they're like, dude, this movie's legit. And he said that you stopped everybody and you said, I want everybody here to understand. This is not the movie. Any of you think it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm by nature as not a super confident person, but I just wanted, I just saw that this was happening, and I was like, okay, well, I just want to temper expectations, I guess, and just be like, listen, like this. I mean, it's not going to be like a to bring it back up, like an A twenty four movie or like you know something where something happens every act or like there's a story beat every, you know, 10 minutes or something like that. You know, my, I mean, it's a, it's a movie about depression, but it's not an incredibly depressing film, you know? Um, Which is, yeah, I'm glad I tried to do it like kind of like docu style, you know, like, and I think you guys influenced me quite a bit where I would try to make, you know, a found footage film, each year to try to get to just to go to your festival and mm-hmm. to watch it and things like that. And I think a lot of that stuck with me, um, especially in terms of like the slow cinema stuff, because I think that's pretty inherent in like you were talking about the CCTV stuff. Yeah. I don't think there's much of a difference. You know, you're sitting there watching something happen. Um, and I love just watching life unfold on a screen in, in real time. Um, especially if there's a little bit of like genre elements, no, dude, like French sorry, narration. What, what elements? <laughs> genre. Thank you so much. No, you're totally right. And just think of the interaction there, like the dialogue with the audience. Like when you have a traditional Hollywood kind of um, narrative, the way that we would tell a movie, and you have cuts and background music, you're always kind of waiting for them to like guide you on how you should feel. But if you pull up a YouTube video that's like brutal car accident. And it opens up with like just people driving on the freeway. You're kind of waiting in anticipation and you're looking around. You're very, you're like an active participant in the footage. So I, I honestly think in-world camera really lends itself well to slow cinema. Cause mm. you're like, there's a reason I'm watching this. I know somebody edited it. Yeah. 
and it's a character in the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know it. And I, I want to mention you. You brought up how your film is about. Um, it's a bummer of a subject, but your film isn't a bummer because when I read your script, uh, it hit me pretty hard. And I remember watching the movie, and it's kind of a yeah because I I slapped him with it. <laughs> no, I mean it's you know it's a I don't know. Can you get into why you wrote the screenplay? Yeah, my in 2019, my one of my best friends uh, shot himself uh, in his trailer outside of his uh, parents' house, and he left a note saying that he had seen quite a bit. He didn't think he needed to see any more, and uh, he was going to leave us. And uh, just like um, thinking about the the events in his life that surrounded that, and I just wanted to, um, I guess, soften the blow and create a fictional narrative as to where what he might have been seeing and feeling around that time um i'm i mean i have depression pretty bad but um i don't think it's as bad as some people where you know it's it's it it literally physically manifests not in the form of a fucking (laughs) forest stick demon or something like that but you know it's it it harms you you know and we never know like we could be looking at a person and they could be in pain and being pricked by certain emotions and certain memories and things like that we wouldn't be able to know we we'd just watch and they could be reading a book or making food in the kitchen or you know or doing a podcast for nearly three hours (laughs) yeah yeah. slow cinema clark (laughs) yeah i i remember uh the script really hit me and then when when i watched your film though i thought it was more of um you can really feel like you musing on what it you know on like final days and kind of like building a narrative but also it kind of again like eo i'm like uh, this is kind of a pro-life movie like lingering on a sunset really makes me feel like i should slow down and enjoy Wait, this. his movie's about yeah. abortions <laughs> that's what eo's about well you said pro-life and i'm like oh okay yeah yeah that's i mean that's exactly how it is and that's why I resisted. I mean, I'm literally spoiling my movie that hasn't well, even Don't do out, that. But... We don't need that. Yeah. Well, I did. I mean, the movie's very depressing. I won't say what happens, but I didn't end the film with. There is a depiction of suicide. I, it's not the main character, but. Okay. And I didn't want to. Fi- the I didn't want to end the film with that classic, like, if you need help, mm. call this, because I think, I think that's patronizing. Like that that phone number. It's like, yeah, we fucking know it's there. Yeah, like yeah. no one, like no one's gonna call that when they want to, you know, end it all. No one's gonna call and talk to some random person. It well, um, it it feels like uh, it's just lawyer interventiony is what it feels. Yeah, like. yeah, true. Like, yeah. don't come after me if you commit suicide after watching this. Yeah, but I think yeah, and I'm I don't know, yeah. I don't know. You know, the whole like the government help stuff. I've been through it with like um, a buddy who who has like real bad alcoholism. And every time we've ever tried to turn to one of those avenues, it, it hasn't panned out. 
And it's oh, you mean the government ain't there to help you, friend? (laughs) No, but it's funny because I've I've never I've never really thought about like the phone number at the end. And I mean, it's one of those. It's a choice to put that there, Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like with Paranormal Activity when you don't put credits, like that changes everything in a real way. And yeah, honestly, it man, it is kind of a bummer. And you're right, nobody's calling that. Like if you're really there. You can call me. That isn't on the line. I would not call you. I was making a blondie. <laughs> <I know. laughs> All right, so Robbie, the the films out there, you you pumping it at the festivals. What else? Yeah, uh, if you're listening, um, and you run any sort of anything, like I don't care if it's you know some three people visit it. <laughs> Every once in a while, type of site, you know. If you have some sort of credentials, email me at rob at robbysmith.org and I'll send you a screener link. Rob at robbysmith.org. And again, now I'm not joking when I say Robbie was like, hey, let me get on there and see if anybody out there. Robbie, nobody of any clout listens to this show. Hey, but there are a lot of people out there. They doing, might just. I know there are a lot of people out there with doing indie shit or cool distro shit. And I mean it. Uh, if you want to see this movie, Robbie's been really liberal about it. Just you okay, gotta have some all, sort of credentials. Though. You know we do numbers in the Philippines, and you know that's where Q lives. <laughs> Get me out there. Powerful people listen to this show. Yeah, so no joke. If you want to check it out, uh, email either Robbie or us. Uh, what's our email address, Clark? <laughs> Overlook Theater at uh, it's Overlook Hour Podcast at Gmail dot com. Oh damn it. <laughs> Overlook Hour at Gmail dot com. Russell got it. There we go. <laughs> now I only got that because for like weeks, months straight, I got it wrong. I, yeah. I don't know. It's the only way you learn. But dude, Robbie, you don't need to make a fucking movie to come on the show. You're one of the most interesting um connoisseurs of film i've ever known and every time even you know you're that friend who you either have like an oddball choice that is just the most like enlightening thing and you're like dude robbie fucking gets it and then sometimes you'll have a pick and you're just like what the fuck is robbie smoking like, <laughs> like it's like soft and quiet yeah, <laughs> yeah robbie's review was the reason it got on my radar <laughs> dude i don't think robbie okay are we gonna talk what about was the christopher and- lambert movie we watched with him Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I don't what remember. Was it? Beowulf. Oh, it was Beowulf. Yeah, yeah. Beowulf, sick. Yeah. Well, you know, when the director of uh, uh, what the hell is that movie that he blew up with? Hunky Boys. Uh, <laughs> oh, Hunky no. Boys. What? What? What was the Jesse Ventura uh, Abraxas? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you, you remember a- Abraxas? <laughs> but I can't. Didn't you go to sleep? Before I did. Michael Gorman. <laughs> Michael Gorman. Thank you. When the director of Psycho Gorman recommends a movie, you fucking watch it. Especially when he's turned on by uh, me saying, I wish there were more 90s uh, dystopian future medieval films. And he's like, oh, have you seen Beowulf? It was the perfect one. <laughs> With Christopher Lambert? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. I'm That's gonna, pretty good. Dude, I'll never forget it. <laughs> well, Robbie, um, you, like Randy, are the worst kind of friend. Because, you know, you put all this effort into a film fest and you're just like, this is just a party for my friends who love film to come hang out. And Randy's like, sorry, I'm going to Tree Fort. I'm going to be out there living my rock star life. <laughs> and then Robbie tunes in. He's like, hey, you know, I'm back. I'm just north of California. I can make it. But I'm doing a show. 
here's the you, can you plug that show or is it even yeah yeah um i'm playing in cupertino at the x bar on april 1st 2023 oh hell yeah <sighs> i want to get back to where you're making a film for us every year and you're coming and hanging out it sucks because like right at like right after i was like oh i got an idea <laughs> <laughs> but i'll save it for next year well make it happen i mean we do uh, want to make a longer a longer uh, hey not a feature but like a yep. 30 minute hey unlike other film fest um the runtime is kind of fluid here and this make year- a tv series who gives a shit <laughs> Yeah, make a Reffin type show. Yeah, slow cinema, Clark's favorite. Ooh, we gotta. Uh, you guys gotta watch uh, Copenhagen Cowboy. Or I think we... I think you'd appreciate it, Clark. Just try it. All right, great. Isn't there an actor in there that like really piqued your interest? Well, Robbie, how about this? Uh, oh yes, the the guy from uh, Triangle Sadness. There you go. I oh, said, yeah, I yeah, yeah. shit. <laughs> I like that guy. You should watch Pusher 3, then. He's really good in Pusher 3. I haven't 3. watched any of the Pushers. I haven't either. You, should I push they're not. They're only connected because they're members of the same gang. It's not really... I mean, it does help to see the first two, but the first one's Mads Mikkelsen. The second one's another peripheral character. And then the third one's their boss. And that's the Russian guy from... Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Pusher 3 next week. Do a marathon. All three. Push it real good. Oh, push it to the limit. (laughs) Push it to the limit. All right, Robbie, I have to pee uh, very badly. Uh, But we almost hit three hours on this. I know. Yeah, sorry about that. He's no. Yeah, what the fuck? Clark came to play today. (laughs) Normally, he starts getting jittery around 54 minutes. We did an extra long interview before this, and now this show. I've been a good oh, boy. Wow. I love it. Yeah. I'm, so you I'm know what? This. You remember those two joints that I was rolling earlier? Well, we're about to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so, Robbie. Uh, again, thank you for being you. Uh, and for the next project, I'm just saying. If you'll actually do it, I'll write a movie around you. <laughs> what do you mean? If I'll actually, it has to be cool. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay, I don't want to. All right, all right. Here's the, no nudity. We'll do it, but but instead of slow cinema, can we have like medium cinema? What about like a yeah. what the fuck up change up? No, Robbie, we got to talk first because I'll give you a little insight on what's like working with Clark. You might want to rethink this before. We what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm easy to work with. Robbie's worked with me. Robbie, was I difficult? No, no, you're you were actually great. Thank you so much. I'm a sweet boy. Did it. You don't remember, Russell? He did everything we asked him to. Oh, I know. Including watching lesbian porn at the <laughs> kitchen counter. Yeah. yeah, you're very offended by that. You're like, I am not eight, Robbie. I mean, I'm the one who pulled it up. You, Robbie's, the, Robbie's the one who he requested lesbian. You know, here, hold on. Before, did I? Before you we, did. Here, before you we said something you, lame no, like okay. lesbian. <laughs> no, I remember this very clearly. We were down there. And you're like, you should be watching porn. I think you were supposed to be at a dinner table masturbating. Yeah. Watching well, porn. he's eating breakfast well, he's and eating. then he sets it aside to jerk off. And then when he's finished, he <laughs> continues to eat breakfast. And I remember you're like, it's got to be f- it's something lame. And then Clark was like, well, I have all these subscriptions. Pick one. And I 
that's whole not thing. true. That, that is, <laughs> and then and then he was like, I don't know, none of this dark web shit. Like it's got to be lame, like lesbian. <laughs> and I remember Robbie turned to me and said, "Hey man, no offense." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> and I was just like, "What does that mean?" You vanilla motherfucker. Yeah, dude. I felt like fucking seen in the worst way right there. I was like, oh. I, I do not remember that. <laughs> oh, it scarred me for life. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on, guys. Hell yeah. Robbie, I love you to death, and I'm not joking. Like, Love you guys. If, you, if you're bored. or if You know what I hate, Russell? What? Sorry. Every time you end an interview and you're like oh yeah i love you man no one ever says i love you back no i take that as a friend a couple of them do (laughs) a couple of them do men are insecure and um we're it's brick by brick we're trying to do do you know who is do you know who has never reciprocated the i love you you randy (laughs) Randy. no 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 randy that's not true i've been saying you guys as well, or you too. <laughs> month or two. You see what I'm saying? Randy shaves his head. I'm not fucking with him. He'll he'll Travis Bickle. Me. I told you this. No, but Robbie, I mean it. I love you. And if you get like amped on a movie that you think we need to watch or something, not only tell us to watch it and we will, but you can come on whenever. I'll yeah. I'll make up an excuse and Clark will, you know. That are, uh, hey, just remember, I'm at the fucking top. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. Thank you so much. <laughs> Dude, Riley, love you, man. We love you. Love you guys.